0: And my newfound friends their hopes and dreams to defend them from their enemies outside the and inputs games for pleasure. No one knows for sure,
1: but I intend to find out. Reboot. Welcome everybody to Back in Tunes Super Show! Our new, I guess the kind of a altering reboot, change in the whole Back in Tunes uh, show that we do. We're going to be t- discussing two cartoons, and in the middle we'll try to throw in like a little news segment where we talk about like cartoon news and video game news, Uh, basically nerd news. And uh, I am your host, Michael, and my co-host, as always...
0: It's Jacob!
1: Actually, I shouldn't say always. Every once in a while, I'll I'll throw an episode up there. You're like, nah, uh, you can let someone else do that one. Uh, Last week, we did do Smurfs and Snorks. And uh, we kind of actually changed the format a little bit. And I kind of want to change it with this a little bit, too, because... uh, for almost the entire series, we just sit there and discuss the entire cartoon while we watch it. And it gets a little sterile. So we will watch Reboot, but uh, if we find ourselves running out of things to say, we're just going to move on. We're going to move on to the next thing instead of just trying to fill time, which always seems kind of stupid. But uh, for now, uh, Jacob, what is the name of the first episode?
0: It is The Tearing.
1: The Tearing. It's, so, you know.
0: Go ahead. I know some people might confuse that it might be the tearing, so they're gonna probably expect a lot of crying. Well, if you are, then it should be uh, joy and nostalgia, because especially like if you're a '90s kid and you grew up with this and you're watching this again, it's available. Yes, you will cr- you will be tearing.
1: All right, so everybody, <laughs> if you want to go ahead and hit play on the episode, uh, all of them are up on YouTube, so you can watch them there. And uh, all right, we'll go ahead.
0: Ready, set, launch.
1: Launch! <laughs> uh, reboot. Lunch, this hungry. this um, <laughs> is one of the last of the Saturday morning cartoons that I would watch. After this, I would pick up some stuff on cable, you know, maybe syndicated in the afternoons. But for the most part, Reboot is the last thing where I made it, oh, I gotta stop and watch this on Saturday mornings. And it seems like cartoons kind of started to fade away for me then. And uh, I would pick up like the comic book ones, like, you know, like Justice League and... You know, I would continue to watch Batman and Superman. And, oh, yeah, you can go wrong with animated series Batman. Right, but it seemed like all the good ones were starting to go on primetime. I remember they were showing, like, uh, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain. Uh, I have a brain fart. What's the uh, the crazy superhero? Freakazoid. Freakazoid. Uh, I would watch Freakazoid, but those would all be kind of at nights. I think eventually it did move to mornings, but, yeah, Reboot is the last one and i actually quite enjoyed it because it seemed a little more sophisticated plus the computer animation definitely caught my attention
0: and like you know going into the grid and mainframe like you can tell like that was definitely based off of tron
1: yeah uh, of course i'm a huge fan of tron even today I, when people bitch about tron i'm always kind of confused because i'll like it's it's from 1982 Why? what did you expect what is wrong with you and i know yeah and i really like the uh the sequel
0: I don't get like I saw no fault in the first front. I absolutely loved it. It was definitely something ahead of its time. It's just that nobody really could grasp the concept of computers and the digital world because it was such a new thing right. and all that.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny. And when it's I watched just, it when I was a kid, I wouldn't understand a lot of the language, but now I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's that's old hat. Everybody knows that."
0: Uh-huh. Now, here reboot, I just have to say as far as it goes, I what I remember fondly is, of course, the incoming game thing, and that's when they only have real interaction with the user. Right. And of course, Bob. See, it, the thing is, he's a guardian. He's guarding this uh, section of mainframe, this like you know digital city that pretty much operates the computers and everything. And it's pretty it's pretty great how they bring in the concepts of you know like you know pop up windows when you're going on the internet. Yeah, that is, yeah pop newer up, ideas. That like a,
1: It's like uh, they had seen what. Ten years from now, well, it was made in '94, but it's as if they had seen the world ten years from that, like in 2004, what the norm would be. And I feel like a lot of stuff they got right.
0: Yeah, no, that's a funny. I don't get it. They're computer programs. Why would they need to eat? I mean, what's what would they eat? RAM. They're programs. (laughs) Oh yeah, that could be it. You know, that's where they process and you know get their rest and revitalize.
1: Dude, I did not know this. This was originally conceived in 1980. This predates Tron, sort of. Or it would have been right at the same time as Tron was in pre-production. 1980, right. that's, that's bananas because nobody really even had a computer.
0: Exactly. But I guess someone got the idea of, or, you know, or the early idea of computers and was like, oh, hey, let's come up with something like this, It's a new a digital frontier and whatnot.
1: So the guys who created this, uh, they had done the Money for Nothing video. You know the Dire Straits "Money for Nothing." Yeah, oh I my think, god! I think I, it's the same team that end up going on to UHF and doing their parody of their own video, "Beverly Hillbillies."
0: No surprise there. I mean, it looked exactly the same. You know, just you know, a little touched yeah. up because you know all weird. It had to be weirded out by Weird Al.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. And plus, this is like early animation it, for, for its time. This it had to be expensive.
1: I just can't believe it. it took 14 years, but I guess technology just wasn't ready, especially on an affordable level. It wasn't going into uh, film and it wasn't going on primetime. This was a morning show, so they had to keep the budget very tight.
0: I, I, can't, I know. I watch this every morning, every chance that I got. Plus, I loved um, every time they go into a game, there's always like a homage to like certain movies and extra adventures. Like, of course, you'll see, you know, typical space one like Star Wars. But there's also this one where there's zombies, Enzo's dressed up as Michael Jackson and the user Yeah. The user is Ash from Evil Dead.
1: That's kidding. That's no, I can't believe that.
0: Oh, no, you'd have to watch it. You just keep watching. Just look up the episode, you'll find it. Yeah, you know what? I it's feel barely... like I watched
1: the first couple seasons and then after that I kind of moved on. I, was there a big break in the seasons? There was
0: a bit of a break, especially after the whole like, you know, huge attack on the on the mainframe and Bob goes missing and Enzo becomes the guardian uh by uh, using a by finding a Bob's little techno gadget glitch which is what all guardians have throughout every system to give them access to pretty much everything kind of kind of like you know how Tron is a security program
2: right something like that oh but yeah then, there of course, was then it... there was
0: a break in between you know Enzo gets older he's got like a golden eye he goes out and hunts viruses becomes this like real like you know badass like Mad Max with a beard <laughs> kind of look
1: so there was a break there was a year and a half break between season two and season three and i think that's where it lost me i think they moved to another network and then uh it looks like season four wasn't until 2001 that's a long gap i mean that's kind of normal now when you look at venture brothers there's always like two three years between seasons but back then that must have been strange
0: yeah probably would have been with you know how they had to come up with you know come up with all this digital technology at Forever, like every bit, and you know limited technology
1: well, also takes you're a only... very, very long time to animate these, especially if you're on a tight budget, so it must have taken forever once ABC pulled out the funding
0: of course, that's no surprise, well, now that they're owned by Disney, they should have to do it now,
1: yeah, I don't know why they haven't brought this back. maybe they think it's old school but not old enough school, where there'll be retro love for it um. But it seems like something that they could definitely like still continue, and I don't understand why they're just sitting on this property.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, it, it definitely update the uh, definitely update the fashion because it's way too nineties.
1: <laughs> well, here's the thing: is it's in the computer world, so you can update anything. You know, they could literally just come back right now in the newest technology and it wouldn't even be like, that's kind of strange. No, it works just like any sort of technology or computer constantly upgrade, 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 upgrade.
0: Yeah, I even had an action figure of Bob. You did? Yeah, I did. I mean, they actually had action figures of Reboot. It would come like this hover thing he would get all these little like attachable items like, you know, glitch with a grappling hook or just regular glitch or a gun. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, it was cool. It was memorable. I can't remember what happened to it, though. Pretty much all these toys that I used to have, I don't know what happened to them. I had so many. It's, like, disgustingly insane.
1: Yeah. I don't... I feel like I sold all my toys off for baseball cards, which that turned out well, considering baseball cards are now completely worthless, and those toys are worth a fortune. Dummy! (laughs) Dummy! I literally remember <laughs> taking in all my G.I. Joe toys for baseball cards. And then like a few years later, like, oh, yeah, we found this huge vault filled with a million T.O.P.S. cards. So all those T.O.P.S. cards that you collected. Yeah, they're now worthless. I'm sorry. Yeah, kids. Hey, you know, I, I ruined my Star Wars by drawing all over them, but I cleaned them up. So luckily I still had those to sell. But yeah, the G.I. Joes, the He-Man, the Secret Wars, which end up being worth a fortune, all sold. Oh, Oh, woe
0: is you. Woe is you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so this was the first computer animated series. I think there was little bits and pieces in other animation, but the first, like, a whole thing was computer animated. And then, of course, we had, I think two years later, we got Beast Wars, which I wanted to do for this episode, but I'm going to hold off because I ended up finding the Shadow Raiders, which I thought, you know what? That seems like a better fit. Oh, wow. Well yeah, I know it would. I mean considering like
0: do, dealing with digital space and whatnot, but
1: So I'm as looking far at... as it
0: goes for Go ahead. Yeah, but as far as it goes for Beast Wars, we'd have to yeah, match it up with something else. Uh, I can only think of this and uh I can only think of this as for when it comes to computer generated uh T V shows.
1: Yeah, well no what I was thinking is uh Beast Wars and maybe combining it with another G. I Joe series. You know, like one of the later G.I. Joe's, like the 90s series from Deke or maybe the Extreme G.I. What was the Extreme G.I. Joe? There's Sergeant Savage. I remember that. G.I. So, Joe Extreme.
0: Yeah, there was Yeah, that.
1: I'll find something to combine it with. Oh, well. Uh, So the one voice I, that stuck out like a sore thumb is uh Tony J. Yeah, didn't even yeah, know he was British. I really didn't know he was British. I thought he was one of those guys. You know how Kelsey Grammer sounds like he's British, but he's not. He's just real proper. You know Cary Grant, yes. it was always kind of like, is he British or is he just proper? I can't tell. I did not know that J, uh, Tony J was British, but uh, he's one of those guys that like, if you don't know his face, you'll definitely know his voice. And of course, he was in Hunchback of Notre Dame, you know, the Disney movie, uh, Legacy like yeah, of Kane was, uh, video games, but I feel like he was in just tons and tons of stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, no, no, he is, he is in a lot, he's done a lot of voice acting,
1: he's a character I, actor, you for can't sure. deny.
0: It. Oh, definitely. And then he was also in, um, oh gosh, Twins with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. He was the the scientist that raised Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah,
1: that's right. I totally forgot that. Uh, Running down his animation, let's see. He was in uh, a lot of this, it was like like direct to video or foreign stuff that you may not know, but you will know that he was Monsieur Daki, I can't say the name, in Beauty the Beast. He was in Jungle Book 2. Oh my god, Stepmother is an Alien! He is the one who gives her all that guidance. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, at the end of the movie.
1: uh, He is in Treasure Planet as the narrator. Yes, he is in Twins. He's in Time Bandits. Uh, He did voice work for Two Stupid Dogs. Basically every Disney series during the 90s. You know, Buzz Lightyear, uh, and Beauty and the Beast. uh, Captain Planet, Darkwing Duck, the Fantastic Four. He was the voice of Galactus. Oh, that, that is perfect casting.
0: Yeah, he was. Like in a few episodes of uh, Fantastic Four, he was Galactus. Oh my god, he did pretty much almost every major villain. <laughs> I like him right now. <laughs> Mighty
1: Ducks, Mighty Max, uh, Savage Dragons, Secret Squirrel, Skeleton Warriors. He yes, the narrator of Skeleton Warriors.
0: Yes, no, and as far as Mighty Max, he played, um, oh god, what was his name?
1: The one who was the voice of a. Uh, I've never seen Mighty Max. Owl. I never even heard of Mighty Max until about a month ago. Oh, dude, there was a huge, they were a huge toy craze. And I didn't know an this. Theory. I somehow completely have amnesia to this. And someone recommended that we do it for the show. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. And I looked it up. I was yeah, like,
0: no, they, hmm. yeah, it came up with all these really awesome, like, cool toy play sets. And, like, Mad at Max Max, there would there'd be, like, big ones. There'd be, like, some miniature ones that you could keep in your pocket with you and play with on the go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, like I said, it was such a huge craze. And then it became a cartoon. We'd watch it every morning. It was some badass shit.
1: Uh, also, one of my favorites is The Tick. He did the voice of Chairface Chippendale. That
0: was...
1: <laughs> that was... <laughs> How he was able to speak is beyond me because he had no mouth.
0: Exactly. I know. That was weird. I mean, The Tick was just absolutely absurd.
1: Oh, we got to do The Tick someday.
0: Yeah, we do. But let's see. Getting back
1: to reboot.
0: Now, it it's just, is just kind of hard to grasp the concept of what the actual plot is about. You know, as a kid, you know, I'm, you know, you're just easily satisfied by all the cool adventures and the coloring and the gaming.
1: Right. Well, I believe each season had an arc. If I remember correctly, uh, it was unusual for cartoons to have something to start the season off and kind of carry through the whole thing, like a regular series, like the way Buffy would do it. I believe Reboot had a story that began and just slowly built until the very end of the season and then would start over again with the new arc.
0: Right. Yeah, no, this one in particular, of course, this is, of course, Bob, like, trying to protect it from Megabyte, and then after this, as I said, like, after the whole attack on mainframe, Bob gets lost throughout, you know, through like, the entire greed, or the whole cyberverse, and Enzo is grown up, out and about looking for him with this one girl, this one mermaid-looking girl, and another robot, and I think his dog.
1: Hey, so um, I'm looking at the executive producers. Usually, it's guys that are firmly entrenched in animation only. Uh, Every once in a while, you'll see someone like, oh, hey, that's kind of unusual. This is uh, Steve Barron, is one of the executive producers. And you will know his name because he directed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The
0: first film or the animated series? The movie. The original.
1: The the first movie from New Line. He did that, and then he did Coneheads. I think he did, like, I want to say he did the Pinocchio movie from... Uh, new line. Orlando and JTT. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, JTT. I haven't heard the words JTT in a long time. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes, Uh, but nobody
0: forget those dimples.
1: He did do "Take on Me," the video. He did that, and he also did the Billy Jean video. So he has some good pedigree when it comes to music videos. Oh me. Oh, and he did (laughs) "Money for Nothing," so he already worked with the guys who are behind Reboot. No, yeah, no, I'm
0: good there was some familiarity. That way people would be on the same level and know what to do.
1: It's like,
0: that's that's going through my head right now as Dot Bob
1: are trying to escape at this part of the episode. <laughs> take
0: on me, take oh, on me, I'm take, go. take go. me on me, take on me, I'll be gone. And
2: I'll
1: take on too. Hey, Steve Barron just had a biography come out. If you're interested, I'm sure there's got to be something in there about Reboot. It's called. Egg and Chips and Billie Jean A Trip Through the 80s. It just came out last November.
0: Right. Oh, awesome. I have to look at, I'll have to look into that. I definitely want to see what he had to say about Reboot.
1: Yeah. All right,
0: Jay Firestone. Oh, awesome. So I guess we're going into a Space Age game right now. That's, that's, you know, there was actually a PlayStation 1 game for Reboot, but it was never... Oh yeah, Megabyte's of virus. That's what he is. That's why he's able to do what he does with the game. Okay, I, I, what's with
1: the flatulence? Good God, Michael, what'd you eat? No, nah, I just decided to do I don't know why. I was trying to do take on me and hand farts, but it's not working. <laughs> I know, no, that's
0: not going to work. It's going <laughs> to... <laughs> Damn it, now I wanted to do it. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. If anything, if anything I, uh, it looks more like a blend of like star wars and wing commander
1: uh so the other executive producer on this Jay firestone uh he you know this is a canadian company uh that developed Reboot, so it's almost it's fully canadian then it's sold to an american audience and the guy who created this also developed the company fireworks entertainment now there's only a few like hardcore film fans that are going to recognize the name fireworks because they're pretty short-lived Uh, They did a bunch of TV shows. They did the Robocop series. I think they did that uh, really shitty Robocop miniseries from like 2002. Um, Oh, yeah, that was all. But I know them as they decided to go into full-fledged film production by doing Rat Race, Hardball, and Rules of Engagement. And I think most of those movies just barely made their money back and then they just kind of pulled back. I don't know if they're still in business or not. Yep. Oh, no, they were responsible for Mutant X. And Andromeda and Relic Hunter and Queen of Swords. A lot of the early two thousand syndicated. Some people might say shit. Yeah,
0: let's just leave it at that. Let's just call it shit. Let's simplify it. We don't have to. We don't have to brush up vocabulary here. I, ac- <laughs> I
1: actually think that I was a big fan of Mutant X. Now, if I go back, I'm not so sure I will be. But all right, yeah, so the not voice not... the voice actors in this purely Canadian. Uh, usually, we talk about the same voices over and over. And these guys, all Canadian and honestly there's not a lot of cartoons here that I recognize or I would watch. I didn't really watch Barbie and Care Bears and Oh God, what is there? Uh, Max Steele. I what is Care what Bears. is what is Max Steele? I feel like that was probably after my time. Do you know what that is? I
0: think it's something very new and recent.
1: Oh, alright, never mind.
0: Yeah. But I do wanna say, yeah, it just goes to show that, yeah, Canada's better at everything. They're better at healthcare, they're better at living they're nicer people and they have better animation and better cartoon ideas
1: can i can i say that i kind of want to move up to canada i'm so close to vancouver right now i'm so close i just kind of want to go up there i think i'm gonna i think i might get a like a rv or whatever and put it up there and live there for a while and then just come back and forth seattle vancouver seattle vancouver vancouver to portland i know
0: (laughs) whoa whoa. that sounds sounds like a fun sounds like a fun trip the dreamer of the nineties are alive in Portland. <laughs> the dream of the nineties is alive. But Tattoo never runs dry. Yeah,
1: and you're stuck down there in gentrified Napa. And yeah, we're so proper and rich up here. We're amazing with all wine yeah. and all. Frontier <laughs> 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 It's all
0: the immigrants' fault, and so it's really ours, and we're causing tension by lying to them, by mm. Giving them things that we call facts, even though they're not, because there's nothing, there's no evidence to what we say. It's all just hogwash.
1: All right, so we're coming to the end of reboot. Uh, the series, of course, has been—they've been trying to keep it going in some way or another. At least the storyline. Uh, there's been—they tried to do comics, they have tried to do updates online, they tried to get films going. Apparently, no one gives a fuck. Which is sad, because the fans do, the people with money, not so much. It says says here that Reboot... What?
0: Maybe a Kickstarter
1: could get it going. Well, there is Reboot the Guardian Code. Now, it was announced to be in development two years ago. And it says on June 8th that a company called Chorus Entertainment, which I've never heard of, ordered 26 episodes. Now, whether or not that goes from ordering to actually making is a totally different thing. So I don't know. It, it really depends on if this company can come through.
0: Wow. Well, damn. Hopefully something goes through.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at Chorus. It's a, it's a Canadian company out of Toronto. They look like they're doing well financially. But I can't see any history of what they've made. Uh, they have an agreement. Okay, so basically they were a company that owned a bunch of stations. Like radio stations, TV stations. But they don't know really anything about developing uh they have people over at Nelvana, which is a good Canadian company in Nick Canada and they signed a deal with Disney ABC. Oh, so they'll make the programs and Disney ABC will pick them up for Disney Channel only. It will not be going to ABC. So why even call it ABC? Uh, well, you know there's no more Saturday morning cartoons. Has cable. Well, not everybody. No, of yeah, not. there's no more Saturday cartoons, so I'm just a little meh. Uh, yeah, so let's just see if this company can follow through or they get cold feet and uh pull out, which will be a bummer for the fans who've been waiting forever. Forever.
0: Forever. I will say this about the theme song it is quite heroic and lively. Is it almost it almost reminds me of Howard the Duck?
1: Howard the Duck, he doesn't give a fuck. Howard.
0: Not that one, oh. but the actual, you know, musical score. Oh dang, this was out in 1991. Yeah, Vancouver, British, Canada.
1: Canadian. That's oh.
0: yeah, that's the ones who distributed that. Oh yeah, no, dude, I would highly recommend that. I mean, considering like the variety they have when they get into a game, like an actual game grid that comes down, and the user decides to play. Yeah. I, oh. oh gosh, it's pretty awesome. There's just like, there's so much, there's so much variety. And, of course, an homage to all the classic games we all grew up playing.
1: All right, so that's it for us with Reboots. And uh, I just want to say, everybody, uh, thank you for all the support. It's actually growing quite fast on Back in Tunes. I build a page on Facebook exclusively for Back in Tunes. It was originally... Well, Back in Tunes is part of a bigger network called Retro Rocket Entertainment. You can go there and see all of our shows. Or you can just go straight to Back in Tunes. And there we have Cartoon News and whatnot. And then we have all our old episodes posted. And... I kind of kept it on the, uh, the down low. I didn't really say anything about it for a while. I just wanted to kind of feel it out. And, you know, it's, it's been going strong. We're up to 73 likes. I know some people, they're laughing their ass off. But, you know, I don't have money for promotion. And usually, that's bullshit. Most of the people, i uh, give you a tip. If you pay for advertising on Facebook, you just got robbed. Because most of the people that are added are fake. They are people from other countries that don't even speak your language. So, there's a good chance they're not even going to understand what you're posting. And I just, I feel like eventually this is going to come and smack Facebook in the nuts and they're going to have to give our money back. But, uh, irregardless, Ow. uh, we're up in likes. Our post reach on each episode is, is like 2,400. So we're getting a lot of shares, a lot of people talking about it, a lot of people looking at it. And we just hit our 10,000th download, which, oh, I didn't even know if that moment was ever going to come. And, uh, I just, I'm so happy. Thank you everybody.
0: That insert dirty joke. That was a dirty joke right there, whether people have realized it or not. What would I say? The way you described it, it's like, oh, I never thought this day would come.
1: Ah, <laughs>
0: Demon joke. Oh, that's disgusting. All right, everybody, we're going
1: to take a brief break, and we'll come back with the news, the nerd news. Hey, nice shirt. Gee, thanks. Say, that's a nice coffee mug, too. Well, I sure like it. You want to clue me in on where you got them? Sure thing. Just visit Chebetsco.com. Well, hey, how do you spell that? Why, it's G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O dot com. Okay, everybody, we're back from break. Jacob, what do you got for the nerd news?
0: Well, I do want to make a little shout-out to this, um, this cosplayer, Entertainer. Well, he entertains me, so I'm quite, uh... I kid you not, I cannot help but, like, laugh at, like, pretty much every single one of his videos. He's known as D-Pity. He's the one who goes to all these conventions dressed as Deadpool pretty much bringing like a huge audience to that character.
1: Yeah. And his videos are Many just people, killing me.
0: I could do not like his comic con <laughs> or he, he would just go up behind Psylocke with the powder and just tell us wrath that's one thing he would do. And then of course he'd go around and, like in his uh, other costumes, like being Skeletor in like a yoga class and then throwing off his hood. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think one in particular was just on that like escalator with the business, uh, blazer it's like just like sitting there spinning around not moving or like getting into shenanigans with the fellow cosplayer just as spider-man oh my gosh I kid you not this guy I mean I think he was also uh, mentioned that he's I think in an entertainment magazine regarding um, the Deadpool movie like he was mentioned as in you know as what I just uh, what I just said a minute ago that he's gonna be bringing the you know deadpool to the audience you know he's getting them prepared for like what kind of things uh deadpool does and how he is as a character he's just so random breaking the fourth wall you know just doing really silly stuff like you know just grabbing a rubber chicken and hitting someone in the face for like no apparent reason or or because the person's also just as deadpool plus he's also a very he's a he's a great dancer like you see him in his walter white cosplay (laughs) oh my god
1: And speaking of Deadpool, what is the news about Ryan Reynolds that he wanted to reveal? Which isn't really that surprising, honestly.
0: Uh, That's going to be his last superhero. He's not going to be doing any more superheroes after
1: Deadpool. Yeah, I I feel like like we're cycling these people through over and over and over as as superheroes uh, or that kind of character. And uh, you know, his his uh, days on Blade are done. Obviously, Green Lantern that was burned. So badly, he almost destroyed his career, and then R.I.P.D. just like stomped it in, just a little bit harder. He's had a real rough time with the whole superhero stuff, but in general, I think he's had a really rough time because a lot of his movies just aren't connecting. So let's hope that Deadpool is really great; it connects with audiences, and he can just keep going with his career in you know different directions.
0: They didn't do something recently called the Golden? I think it was with a uh... oh oh gosh, I thought it came out it was during the holidays. No, it was like a very dramatic. Oh, you mean the woman
1: in gold? The woman in gold. Yes. What about that? That did okay. It didn't cost a lot, but uh, it was more of uh, Helen Mirren's thing. So uh, he was just kind of like a a side character. So I'm not sure that it doesn't hurt, but it didn't help. And you know, he just did Selfless, and that did like a buck fifty, and so that didn't help either. He's just having a real hard time. A lot of his movies just aren't getting released, or they're huge flops. What's that?
0: Or even the change-up with uh, Jason Bateman. Yeah,
1: huge flop. Just it, He's had a real rough go. And he's, a, he's a very lo- likable actor. It's just for some reason he's not connecting with audiences.
0: Even the little brief appearance he, or cameos he had in like Ted or Million Ways to Die in the West were, I thought, hysterical.
1: Yeah, but Million, bumped, so. million mean? Ways to ah, Die in I the West bombed. What? Million Ways to Die in the West kind of bombed.
0: I don't know. That's so stupid. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it definitely made its money back, and it was a very – it's a great movie. I thought it was – it's hysterical. It's very funny. There's, like, no – I see no justification as to why it would get bashed. And also, yeah, he was also in um, some indie movies like Mississippi Grind and Selfless.
1: Well, Mississippi Grind has not come out yet. It's coming out soon, but it's going to be barely released. It's just another independent – independent movies are being buried. Unless it's a horror movie, it's not – they're not getting released because they don't think the audience is there anymore. Not the way it was 20 years ago. You know, back then a little movie could come out of nowhere, get critical reviews, and then some. You know, just build an audience. But now it's instant. Oh, we need video on demand. We need to keep bootleggers from stealing these little tiny movies, and it's just exactly. it's kind of
0: disturbing. Although he's done well with like animated movies, like the Crudes and Turbo.
1: Right, he is doing. Uh, no, Turbo was a flop. Uh, they're doing a series what? though, but I don't think he's in the voice for that. He, they are doing a Crudes too. Uh, okay. Alright, so on the toy and comic book cartoon front, we have, if you are in the L.A. area or plan on going to L.A., on September 18th, Friday, and the 19th, Saturday, they're going to be having Masters of the Universe, a He-Man and She-Ra celebration. They're going to be having cast and crew members from the movie and the series. They're going to be having uh, photo shootings, you know, signings. They're going to have panels. They're going to have uh, the animators of the cartoon. They're all going to be there. And also of course you're gonna have your your marketplace where you can buy memorabilia for Master of the Universe. So if you are a fan, this is a very rare thing. It's gonna be at the Egyptian theater, so check it out if you get the chance. It's only fifteen bucks for the tickets on Friday. Or I'm sorry, eleven on Friday, fifteen on Saturday. By the power of Christ, God <laughs> And you're not too oh far. You god. could you could technically do this. I would have to fly out to do it.
0: Oh my god, yes. Uh. I just have to pelvic thrust right now.
1: I'm just pelvic thrusting my door out of awesomeness.
0: Ah! Oh, yes, damn it, yes.
1: I'm, I'm hoping that they oh, uh, really? actually say, "Hey, uh, we're finally ready to go with a new Masters the Universe." They keep talking about people signing for it, and it just—it just doesn't go.
0: It's not flying. I don't know. That's a franchise that should still be. I mean, I thought the rebooted cartoon in 2003. Uh, I thought that was. I thought that was awesome. That was. A, it, was know, it was. It was pretty good. I like that one. And I liked And personally, for me, it was Cam Clark who was the voice of He Man, and I like Cam Clark. I loved him from you know Robotech, um, you know even Grandia Two, which is a video game I really enjoyed listening. <clears throat> and then there was also Eek the Cat. He was the Dummy
1: Bears. Oh my and... god! I've been putting off Eek the Cat for about a year now. I keep wanting to put it on the schedule, but I keep going. Uh, I'll get to it later. Yeah,
0: he's like one of the busiest voice actors in you know video gaming and animation.
1: All right. Also in animation she, news, we have Avatar: The Last Airbender two confirmed, and M Night Shyamalan's coming back. And why?
0: Oh. Why? The, whole, the okay, I couldn't even. Uh, oh my god, I'm just gonna rant a little bit about the first one. I couldn't even finish the movie. I had to fast forward some of the parts. I'm like, okay. Has it Eddie been Yada, a really long time?
1: Why? I mean, they're gonna have to recast it because it's been like six, seven years. By the time. Oh, No, that was 2010, I think. I don't understand. I don't still know why are they doing it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just it was what it was. It was mostly it wasn't whitewashed. It was curried. It was heavily curried. I mean, the whole Fire Nation were. uh, I mean, they're pretty much all Indian.
1: Is curried a uh, uh, is that I don't have never heard of that. Is that an offensive term? Curried. Curry. I don't know. Curry is a no. It's a spice. No, no, no. But you said curry. Never mind. That's okay. Um. Yeah, well, it's also so it, it has, it has, I'm not He's sure. So I'm not sure that's the point. I think the point is the fact that M Night Shyamalan apparently knows nothing about the characters, nothing about the franchise. Therefore, gives no shits. So why don't they? Uh, if they are going to do a sequel, like do the sequel, uh, you know, at a lower budget with a different director, and maybe for God's sakes make it shorter, because it seemed like it went on forever. But that it could have been it could have been 20 minutes, and it still felt like it was forever.
0: Yeah, I know. They're probably going to have to recast. I don't even know if anyone's going to... Yeah, the reason why like some of those people were cast, I mean, that one guy in particular played uh, Jasper from uh, Twilight. He was in there, you know, just to get some of the tweens into it, you know, all the girls that were hot for him.
1: Uh, You know what? I I have to admit, I have no idea who the hell you're talking about. I've seen the first Twilight. I I forget his name, too. I don't know who who Jasper is.
0: (laughs) He was a blonde-haired guy that, you know, got with a... Her last name's Green... She was the voice of.
1: uh, Oh, Ashley Green.
0: Ashley Green, yes, the one who was dating Ashley Green.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. All All right, right.
0: okay. So, go ahead. I'll I'll give them credit for you know getting Ashley Green out there, you know, getting her name known. And she's she's very pretty. She's very lovely. She's oh, oh my gosh, be still my beating heart.
1: All right. Also in the news. (laughs) Also in the news, we have the fact that the lawsuit that was brought against. Uh, all the major animation studios—Pixar, Disney, DreamWorks, Sony, and uh, everybody else that's kind of floating around there—they all got together and conspired to make sure that animation wages were not competitive. Uh, or not, I don't—that's not the word I want to use. I want to say that they wanted to keep them all at a certain level, like nobody would poach another artist at a higher price and start escalating. So the animators that uh were part of this that that, that got kind of screwed financially are suing the studios the studios are trying to shut it down and the court said no we want to know what's going on what you did to make sure that people were not getting paid very well and i think it's a bullshit move on the part of the studios and uh, i defend the animators rights
0: of course yes oh my god that sounds like that sounds just like a like, they're trying to set wages, just like, you know, the restaurant industry.
1: Yes, that's exactly uh, the terms uh, that they're saying. I just, I'm very bad at words. I don't know. I, I just learned English last week, and I, I, I've <laughs> taken several head injuries in that time, so I don't know what words that's
0: mean. something not <laughs>
1: Not uh, said, So, Masters of the Universe, the movie, they, have, they don't really have a director. They keep kind of, like, touching upon directors here and there, but they do have a writer. Chris Yost, the writer of Thor Ragnarok is uh, oh, working on it. So sweet. let's see how that works.
0: You know, I have to mention this real quick. When I watched the first Thor, it, there were some parts about it that did kind of remind me of the Message of the Universe film.
1: It's it's kind of hard. The two characters aren't, like, wildly different, except that Thor, well, hold on. Thor could change into, uh crap, that doctor. Um,
0: Dr. Blake
1: in yeah, the cartoon. Something yeah, Blake. Don, Donald Blake uh he could turn it to him so i guess they kind of had that oh he's a mild manner wimpy guy turns into a god they used to have that uh, i think they ditched that yeah. quite some time yeah, ago cause... yeah shazam that sounds just like shazam well it's like a lot of superheroes who could just constantly change it's a little weird
0: yeah, yeah. but i mean I, I, that's honestly something i'm looking forward to uh the first i will say the first door was a lot better i'm i'm sad that they didn't keep kenneth
1: Branagh. i didn't mind i i thought both were fine. Um, a lot of people say the second one was a lot weaker. I know it didn't do as well at the box office, but I still, I quite enjoyed it.
0: It doesn't do as well, yet it still profits millions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's uh, ridiculous to it say that. It doesn't well. I hate when people, I gosh, I mean, <laughs> those analysts or those people who say like, oh, we project that it'll make this much money at the box office, you still profit a fuckload of money, but you just, just not as much, you greedy son of a bitch. I hate them almost as much as I hate <laughs> fanboys.
1: All right. Uh, James Wan, the director of Fast and Furious 7, has been hired to do Robotech. Now, mind you, he's, yes. attached, he's attached to like 30 movies, just like the last director of the Fast and Furious franchise. They attach themselves to a ton of stuff. And it's kind of a smart move, but irritating for the fans. But on his part, you gotta go, well, which project is gonna go first? So I might as well attach myself to a bunch of stuff, instead of sitting on my ass waiting for things to happen.
0: I'm like, can you at least have like some of the original voice actors give him a part? In the actual movie somewhere.
1: Well, I've heard that Leonardo DiCaprio, he owns the license so that he actually might be the star. Oh, come on,
0: Leo. You better listen to the fans on this one. I'm not sure if you grew up watching Robotech. Hopefully you did. And you should love it just as much as the rest of us, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I do love you, I'm assuming
1: he's a fan because after. you tend not to put out a lot of cash when you're an actor. Now, if you're a producer like uh, Michael Bay or whatever... Um, Jerry Bruckheimer, you're going to just pick up whatever you think is going to be a sellable property. But usually actors pick stuff that, you know, I I think this is going to be something worth making that I actually care about.
0: Yeah, just like with uh, Ryan Gosling in Drive.
1: What, did he produce that?
0: Uh, No, but he did have a, that was something he was really interested in it and he got to choose the director.
1: Hmm, I didn't even know that. I have that. Hold on. Let me look. I, ha- I own it. Nah, it's okay. I should know this. Uh, so in video game news, we have Borderlands movie in development at Lionsgate. Now, is it going to be live action or is it going to be animated? What do you think?
0: Um, live action, um, as, I don't know. You have to get someone like Zack Snyder, someone very visual. You need a great visual director in yeah. order to really capture the scenery and the cell shading, and the coloring, the whole stylistic aspect of it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they're going to use a lot of CGI, but I know with Mad Max winning Much Love uh, this past summer, and Borderlands still being a hot property, but the problem is is that Lionsgate, not a lot of people know this, but Lionsgate is on its last legs. They are drowning in financial uh, disaster because uh, ever since, what was it, uh, Expendables 3, ever since that got destroyed by all the theft and low box office anyway. Uh, it seems like it's just been a never-ending disaster. I mean, they always had like, a, oh, this sucked. Oh, that bomb. That was expensive. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, we have a big hit. It saved us. You know, they'll have a Divergent or a Twilight or Hunger Games. Um, actually, I don't think they own Divergent. I don't know why I said that. Um,
0: it's on the same, sh- it's it's just as shitty as Twilight. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it's, it's. Uh, I actually kind of like Divergent, actually. But the one I really like, I'm excited about is the Maze Runner series. That has really got me revved up. The uh, the Lionsgate, they just, they've been stumbling nonstop. They keep buying people's studios. Like, they buy all these properties, and they're going to find themselves like Canon back in the day, where they're like, oh, we overspent, been undermade. Now we got to go bankrupt. Whoops. I know. I mean, look what's
0: I mean, look, that's what happened with the Masters of the Universe movie.
1: What?
0: Yeah. Oh, Canon. They kept pulling away the budget, and that last fight scene between Skeletor and He Man. That came out of uh, you know the director uh, Gary Goddard's own money.
1: Well, uh, own pocket, yeah. you think it, you think, think it's bad on Master universe. Fast forward a few months to the uh, the Superman four uh, quest oh for peace. Oh my god, The never epic mind. disaster that happened with that. They kept pulling the budget, pulling the budget, pulling the budget. I just got done reading John Cryer's book, and he was talking about how production on it went. And he was there fairly early in the in the making of it, so he didn't know what happened later. Is you know, Christopher Reeve had seen him in New York, and he said, "Oh yeah, they, they just pulled out all the funding. It was supposed to be like a twenty five million dollar movie, end up being like fifteen million, and they had to pull all these sequences and reuse footage. It was just a nightmare."
0: Oh God, yeah, uh, it was it was sad. And then the whole concept of like Nuclear Man, come on, yeah,
1: it's just awful. All right, so no. uh, I think do we have any more news? Do you have anything else in your part? Uh, As
0: far okay, video game news coming out at midnight tonight. Metal Gear Solid V: The Phantom Pain, which is going to be Kojima's last game and last association with Konami. Yeah. And I kid you not, I just from this like the last trailer that was actually edited and cut by Hideo Kojima himself, really just showed you like a lot of the things that are going on. It's like shows a montage, from, like the first Metal Gear up to Phantom Pain, and I kid you not, if you follow the story, the whole uh, whole arc. Of the Metal Gear Saga, uh-huh. then yeah, you would explode in your pants from the awesomeness of it. <laughs> not I, to mention, I, <laughs> not to mention, I think anyone who's a fan of Kiefer Sutherland, you know, of course from Lost Boys, Twenty Four, Stand By Me, um, what was that movie he was in with Kevin Bacon where uh, they're experimenting with death, oh, like flatliners, you know, flat flatliners, flatliners, and also uh, Dark City.
1: I can't yeah, stand course. him in Dark Jack City. Power have I said this? I can't stand him in Dark City. The way he talks drives me up the fucking wall. You must I yeah.
0: Sometimes you have to ask, "Oh my god, sir, why did you do that? I can't help but laugh at you right now." <laughs> yeah. But yes, no, he is going to be playing Snake. Not well, not Snake. He's going to be playing Big Boss. Okay, okay. Big Boss is of course. He was the um Snake's commander-in-chief and mentor, taught Snake everything. And then at at the end of uh, the first one, it turns out Big Boss was behind it all. He was the villain. And then, of course, you fight him in the next one, he dies, he's burned. A lot of, yeah, pretty much he has a huge influence throughout every Metal Gear game. And this, and of course, Snake Eater, Metal Gear Solid 3, was when you really get to see what was behind the motivation of Big Boss doing what he was doing. And then, of course, then there came Ground Zeroes, which is like a prequel to Phantom Pain, and it's just a little appetizer of what the game's going to be about. It's going to be open world. It's going to be like perfect, the perfect stealth game. All plus, right, so... I'm excited oh, to God. see how. Oh no, I'll, I'm almost done, Michael. I'm almost sorry. Done. I can't tell sorry. you pause.
1: I'm like, I don't know. What should I do? I can't stand the silence.
0: Yeah, am boom, okay. So yeah, no plus I can't see how Kiefer Sutherland will portray this character, Big Boss. I mean, yeah, people are upset that David Hayter's not doing it anymore, but at the same time, you have to understand Big Boss is a lot older in this game, between, you know, Ground Zeroes and uh, Phantom Pain. They're, like, almost ten years apart. I want to say almost. Almost ten years, I'm pretty sure. Plus, you know, Hideo Kojima wants to go for an older, uh, gruffier kind of, you know, character. I mean, yeah, Solid Snake is a clone, a big boss, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to have the same voice pattern and everything. I mean, come on. Liquid Snake and Solid Snake are, you know, Liquid Snake's, of course, the villain familiar Solid. One. And um, they both don't have the same voice pattern, they have different voices.
1: You sound like you're on an old <clears> record, <throat> by the way. I don't know if you're touching your mic. It sounds like a shh shh sh-
0: shh. Sh- 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 oh, sorry. It's have, okay. It's and beer. the
1: last bit of news is Nintendo is considering returning to movies. Uh, which I have been... We discussed, what, like three months ago when we were watching the Mario Brothers for Trash Cinema, is that, yes, that movie bombed, but guess what? You have other opportunities. It's not like you get one shot at making a movie. So could you try again, please? I have been begging for a Legend of Zelda movie or a Metroid, anything. I'll take an Ice Climber movie right now. Oh,
0: oh, gosh, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong, oh, God, but... let. Uh, just as long as Michael Bay stay away Yeah, stays yeah, away yeah. From Screw him. Get him, get him away from there. Yeah. All of them. Oh, God. And <laughs> can you imagine getting someone like David O. Russell to direct one of those movies?
1: <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, man. Metroid, maybe. I'm not so sure about anything else. He is, He's a dark director, man. He is. He's told
0: too bad he's a fucking asshole. I hate David O. Russell.
1: Oh, I love his he's movies. Good.
0: Yeah, he is a great film director, but he's a piece of shit.
1: All right, everybody. It is time for our second cartoon. And it's going to be Shatterators, So here we go with the theme. All
0: right.
1: Someday today. La 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 song right there. la 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 Good God, that was quiet. I apologize, everybody. I had to crank that sucker up, <laughs> and it still wasn't it was very loud. What's that? Fight primal.
0: It sounds quite primal and tribal.
1: Yeah, you know what? That was kind of a trend around the late '90s, early 2000s. Is there had a lot of like those syndicated sci-fi shows that had kind of a tribal beat? I, it's killing me. There's a show that that was really well known for, and I can't think of it. It's kind of.
0: Yeah, I mean, just from looking at the intro, I mean, this kind of reminds me of an early concept for Mass Effect.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Um, this is actually created. Go ahead and start the episode if you want. This one we're not going to watch all the way through. We just don't have time. Uh, this was created by Marv Wolfman and Dan Didio. Do those names sound familiar to you at all, Jacob?
0: They should, but I cannot think.
1: Marv Wolfman of is the creator of Teen, well, the new Teen Titans when they rebooted later with uh, you know Kid Flash and Robin and stuff like that. Uh, he is the co-creator of Blade with Gene Colan. He was the main writer on Tomb of Dracula, and he is the writer of Crisis on Infinite Earths, which I had you watch, sort of watch.
0: Continue from where you said Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, Infinite. I
1: actually, uh, everybody, this is going to be awkward. I hit record before I should have. Whoops. Uh, yeah, Crisis on Infinite Earths. He is the writer of that. Did you end up reading that or uh, watching the YouTube video about it?
0: Um, I've only watched the first part, but I kid you not, I am absolutely wowed it's like and it's of course by the same animators who did time masters that book you sent me
1: yeah mm-hmm. good no no I no, mean, no it's not the same animators uh the guy who did christ on infinite Earth, it was george perez um i can't i can't remember who did time uh, masters but speaking of did you know time masters uh rip hunter is going to be part of that rip new hunter. show that uh legends of tomorrow
0: yeah i did i, I noticed that in the first part. I was like wait rip hunter i recognized him from 52 <laughs>
1: Um, so, also, Dan Didio is the head of DC Comics right now, and I usually back him up, but I gotta tell you what, these last couple years, I don't think I know what the hell, I don't think anybody knows what's going on in DC Comics, which is severely depressing, and their sales are down. What's that? I
0: thought Jeff Jones was in
1: charge. Well, he's kind of like their editor-in-chief, but Dan Didio is their publisher. He has a final say on everything, and while it's, um... It's his job to greenlight any ideas, get anything going. You know, he runs everything. Uh, Jeff Jones is kind of like the head writer who corrals everybody to make sure they're all on the same page. Uh, so yeah. totally different. Um, also, one of the writers on this is Len, I'm not going to say his name right, Len Wein. Wein. He is known for... Working, what? What? I don't
0: know, I'm pronouncing it like it's German. Oh, Fine, maybe he is,
1: I mean, he is is gentleman. Uh, he is a co-creator oh. of Swamp Thing and Wolverine. Yeah, so all these guys are on this series and uh, I had never heard of this. I found it by accident because I was looking up the production company mainframe and um, I found this series. I was like, whoa, look at the writers on this. These are some strong, uh, you know, strong talent here for a cartoon that I've never heard of. It was on for one season just as a Canadian production. I think it was sold in the syndication. It might have been on Fox. I can't remember. Um, But it's it's really solid. I actually enjoyed this more than reboot. This is more my wheelhouse.
0: No, this, looks, this definitely looks a little bit more advanced and better budget.
1: Maybe that's why it got canceled. I mean, it was too expensive.
0: Uh, yeah, that always is. It's always way too expensive for animation. However, as far as what's going on with DC, yeah, I'm a little surprised. I mean, everything seems to be going in line. I mean, maybe they're just more focused on the movies.
1: Well, Convergence was the huge miniseries. You know, every year they have this huge epic thing going on. And I guess it yeah. really underwhelmed people. The finale of it, we're just like, what? That's how you're going to wrap things up? And uh, then it they could be say, as
0: bad as the finale of Lost, could it?
1: Have? I don't know. Uh, I never finished Lost. Um, uh, finish. so <laughs> what they're saying is, a that was a hugely disappointing miniseries. Uh, people are kind of burnt out that DC doesn't have. See, what it was was comic books would have a major, major, major thing like once every five, ten years, and then you fill it in with like big events. But you know, it wasn't going to change the universe. It was going to be a really great story. But DC Comics yeah. is doing this every other year now. Uh, identity crisis, infinite crisis, final crisis. The New Fifty Two, the New New Fifty Two, uh, the the Blackest Night, and uh, people keep dying. Come back, dying. Come back, dying. Come back. Reboot, 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 relaunch, and oh, we're changing the universe. We're closing it in. We're opening it up. We're closing it in, and now it's completely open. They're saying there is real no strict timeline that people can make stories about whatever they want, which is the way they did it in the fifties and sixties, is that you get these crazy cockamamie stories, and uh, it did not matter. Oh, like really the New matter. Frontier. What's that?
0: Like the New Frontier? No,
1: even beyond that. We're talking like the crazy years of Superman or like uh, uh, Jimmy Olsen. One episode, Jimmy Olsen would have the powers to turn into a giant mutant. And then the next episode or next issue, nobody would say anything like it. Never happened. It had no real lasting. It was just a good story and then let it go. And that's kind of what they're doing with DC Comics right now. And it turns out they expected huge sales. And uh, they, oh, blew their, they blew it. They just—they're two million in the hole this year with their budget, and now they're gonna have to start canceling a, series like crazy.
0: I, I'm a little curious. Like, what about the before Watchmen series? I know that was a limited one, but how well did that? you know how well that did? The what series? Before Watchmen, like they'd have um, like each character would like have their own set oh, of issues. Oh, that's
1: right. I heard about that. You know what? I don't know. I didn't even read it. Um, I can look that up. I've read. Uh, I've read. I I I own the volume of uh.
0: Comedian and Rorschach. Yeah. I kid you not. I'm amazed. Brian Ozzarella was the one who took over for
1: comedian. Oh, and it really okay, does okay. speak
0: to this character. It's awesome.
1: Uh, Shadow Raiders. Back to, sorry, topic of hand, people. Love uh, it. The Voice actors in this. This is another Canadian production. Now, there's two guys in here that you will really recognize if you're a sci fi fan Jim Burns, uh, voice actor in this. He was a regular on one of my favorite shows, uh, Highlander, the, the Highlander series, but he was also in Wise Guy. And of course, that was a great series. He was lifeguard, the, the basic connection to society for Wise Guy because he was always undercover. Uh, there's going to be 90% of you who have no idea what the hell I'm talking about right now. But um, I don't. I'm we sorry. also have Scott <laughs> McNeil. Now, Scott McNeil is not Canadian, fully Canadian. He's Australian Canadian. Uh, but you will know him as the voice of. Uh, oh, crap. I fried. Animaniacs.
0: Yakko, Wacko, or Dot?
1: Yeah, Yakko. Uh, the one that goes, I'm hungry, I'm tired, how far, my nose is naughty, I need to move my body, gotta take a party, but I'll stop like, (laughs) ah.
0: Yeah, that's wacko.
1: That's wacko? Shit. (laughs) Okay, wacko's a small one, Yakko's a tall one, of course, Dot's a girl.
0: Of course, and it's just something simple, like Dot. Not slap or cracko or anything (laughs) like that, no, nothing that rhymes, we have already got one rhyme. They don't need a third one.
1: Now, Gary Chalk is a guy who's been on Stargate, Cold Squad, Eureka, Pangula Jane, but he's also known for taking over the voice of Optimus Primal on Beast Wars. That guy,
0: I recognize. I recognize anywhere. He was also actually one of the generals in the security board in the Watchmen movie.
1: No kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: You no, know, no. Yeah, he took over the voice. Yeah, he was Optimus Primal. He was also in The Fly too. He's oh yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, 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 He's also a diver. Oh, you know what? He's been, I've been watching 21 Drum Street lately, the original series, and uh, they, it was Canadian production, and I swear to you, there's, like, five guys who constantly show up over and over and over, and Gary Chalk is one of those guys, like, were you in just, like, four episodes ago as a different character?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, Gary Chalk, he was also in Freddy vs. Jason, he was the chief of police. Was he now? And, yeah, he was also in, um, he was also, I think, a S.H.I.E.L.D. executive in the, Nick Fury, uh, Dave Hasselhoff movie.
1: Yeah, that, that reeks of Canada right there. Um, oh, you'll notice Blue Man Kuma. Look him up. If you look up Blue Man Kuma, he did some voice work, but man, you really know his face because he's one of those guys that was constantly popping up everything Canadian. Name a series uh, that was on Fox during the 90s, and uh, he was in it. You know, Even some of the 80s stuff. There's Street Justice, X-Files, Outer Limits, Supernatural, Kung Fu. Uh, I definitely know him as Robocop. He was the captain in Robocop. And uh, lots yeah. of you know Booker, Wise Guy, Toyman, Jump Street, but yeah, he is also another guy who did voices for reboot. He was Gigabyte, GI Joe, uh, Beast Wars. Just name it, and he might have been involved. He's a really great actor who has a face of a uh, character actor, which is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> was that yeah. a mean, was that a mean thing to say? I'm sorry.
0: Uh, no, I mean we prefer to be character actors. It's it's different. It's, it's complimentary, you know, they do They do a great job.
1: Yeah, you know, you're never really hung up by your um, stardom. You constantly work, but yeah, at no point are you really like, ah, oh, shit, i got to deal with paparazzi, ah, oh, here come, you know, this. Of course. But you
0: can deal with, but you will be able to deal with fans that recognize you anywhere, that look you up, especially when you're at, you know, Comic-Con or something.
1: Yeah, for the most part, this, this, be awesome. this is kind of a low-end series. I don't think it got a lot of attention in America. It, uh, it has never been on DVD in America. It's uh, it looks like it's not even on DVD in Canada. It's available in the UK, which means it's uh, region I think two, which is a pain in the ass because that means you cannot play them in America unless you have uh, one of those region free DVDs. No. Now the Shadow Players, sorry, Shadow Raiders toy line was from Trendmasters, and they had a ton of toys. But honestly, I don't recall any of them ever being in America. They could have been, but you got me.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I probably didn't. I probably wouldn't have known either. <laughs> I mean, it kind of looks like they kind of look like something you get from a uh, rescue heroes. Those little Tonka toy rescue yeah, hero guys, yeah, like yeah. that are firefighters.
1: I think that is the same company.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, oh gosh. Although I do like the, I do like the concept of some of these aliens. It does kind of remind me of uh, Starship Troopers, Roughnecks.
1: Oh, yeah, that's another series. You know, that was CGI. You know, I think that's one we should discuss sometimes. I love that show. All right. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Hey, um, we'll
0: do that with with Beast Wars.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a better combination, because G.I. Joe, we can find another military show to go with it or something. Um, Everybody, we have hit the hour point. I'm trying not to go too long with the show. And... um, if you like the new format, let us know. If it's kind of irritating, then we're just going to ignore you. Ha 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 We're evil. <laughs> uh, we're trying to... Uh, a lot of you guys don't know the other shows that we have, but we're, I'm trying to streamline it. We had like five shows going at once, and it seemed kind of ridiculous. And I'm trying to find a way of editing down to two, maybe three. Um, so this is kind of taking some of the stuff from our other show, Retro Rocket Entertainment, and combining it with Back in Tunes, I think, I think you know, people who like cartoons, that like video games, they like superhero stuff, they like comics, movies. So hopefully it's a good fit and we're not overstaying our welcome. And I feel like there's one other thing I wanted to say and it's completely like pooped out of my brain.
0: And you completely forgot it. I do it all the time, it's okay. Yeah,
1: it's all the that drugs much. I do, people. Lots so- and lots of drugs. It's, it's
0: alright, Michael. Just focus and relax. Um, my boy. Also, the Get one thing—the
1: one thing you'll notice with <laughs> the show is that we are going to be dropping the format. We're still going to try to do retro cartoons, but the rule for the longest time was, well, we got to stick to something within, you know, at least 20 years old. In order to be considered vintage or classic, it has to be 20 years old. Well, right. we kind of dropped that once for the Avengers. United they stand, and I, I feel like it's something we shouldn't have to stick to. We're not going to do something probably that's airing now like doing Bob's Burgers, as much as I love Bob's Burgers, we're probably not going to talk about it. Probably not. It's more about cartoons that are kind of forgotten, kind of from the past, whatever. We're going to try to stick to that. But if we find something that's great that's kind of connected to the other cartoon, we're going to go ahead and talk about that.
0: Like Flintstones and Jetsons?
1: Well, those are both very old. I'm talking like we find something that goes well with Invader Zim. You know, that's only 15 Uh, years old. Now that's something we can talk about, and uh, that's almost mm -hmm. retro. So, you know, we're going to kind of play with the format a little bit. And um, for that, I am going to say goodbye. So
0: long, farewell, What would you say? I'd like to stay and taste my first sh-
1: Hello, everybody. I'm Manchester Steel, the single most fantastic, amazing, wonderful man in the world. Something almost as amazing and wonderful as me is the show Back in Tunes Super Show. Now I'm here to tell you, for the next chunk of time, you're going to be wildly entertained. we will be discussing great cartoons, entertainment news, and everything else your nerdy ass would enjoy. So sit back and let's kick some ass on the back and tunes Super show. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Back in Tunes Super Show. I'm your host, Michael, and my guest this week... Actually, I've been trying to get you on for a little bit, and I'm glad we finally got the time to do the show. Andrew, how's it going?
3: Good, man. How are you? How have you been?
1: All right, uh, Just right. Uh, we, uh, we've been changing the show lately. So, um, new listeners, if you've been catching up on the old episodes, you know there's probably a dramatic change. We started off with one cartoon per show. Then we started moving to two cartoons, to kind of mix up an obscure one with a popular one. And um, we've been trying to play with the format lately. Obviously, we changed the name. And this episode, we're going to be discussing that something that's kind of cartoons, kind of not. This is something that you and I were discussing, is Snick. It was yep. Nickelodeon's uh, attempt to meld the younger age group with the animation and mix it up with some live-action stuff. And uh, Snick at the time... Was so groundbreaking. I was addicted to this. How old were you when this came out?
3: Um, probably around like ten, eleven, or so. Um, the the thing is, is of course, when when you're that young, um, I had little sisters, so, you know, at at that point, cartoons were kind of like a uh, little, you know, a little kid kind of thing. But the cool thing, you know, about SNCC was they had those live action shows that and kind of get you interested, and you weren't, you know, lame watching those cartoons right. by yourself.
1: It was like yeah. your loophole. I had a younger sister as well, and oh, yeah. by this time, I it debuted in 92, I was 15. And mm-hmm. cartoons were pretty much something I was moving on from. Like, I still watch, like, Spider-Man and X-Men, and, like, the action-oriented stuff. Uh-huh. But Snick was, like you said, a way for you to get away with watching kind of kiddie shows but at the same time something that was more in your age range uh the weirdest thing is i really liked rugrats which seemed completely out of my wheelhouse and this is that's probably this and doug were like they're not technically part of snick they were like the warm-up to snick like uh, at seven o'clock would be doug and rugrats and then you jump into roundhouse uh, clarissa i've never said this name right once clarissa explains it all clarissa um what were the other ones we we're talking about? Uh, Keenan and Kel, right?
3: They yeah, had yeah. Well, Keenan and Kel was a little later. I know they had uh, that variety show, all that.
1: Yeah, um, was all know, that first? Kind
3: of, I believe yeah. All that was first, and then that kind of led to I think Keenan and Kel because I think both of them were cast members on.
1: Okay, on yeah. The, uh, the show. I think I had. So I think I stopped watching Snick just as uh, all that was taking off. I think I watched maybe the first season, but then by then I was like. I'm heading off to college. I'm not really interested in this anymore. So,
3: <laughs> at least at least publicly, anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're not going to admit to it later. You're just like, I'm a grow up. I don't care. Leave me alone. I'll watch what I watch. Yeah. There was, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Which was basically like Tales oh, yeah. from the Crypt for kids. And I feel like there's one there other was, show.
3: Um, I mean, there's a good amount of them. There was, um, like Pete and Pete.
1: Oh my God, Pete, um, Pete! I love Pete and Pete.
3: Yeah, Pete and Pete. There was also, um, if I can remember, uh, uh, "Salute Your Shorts." Oh,
1: you know what? I forgot. There was like um, there's SNICK on Saturdays, but then if you were lucky and had cable, you'd watch SNICK, and then in the morning when you woke up, you would watch the block of shows that was Sunday morning. They had "Salute Your Shorts." Yeah. uh, "Hello, Freshman." Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen was a show that Ryan Reynolds, I believe, started on, and. There was Ren and Stimpy in the morning, too. That show was so insanely popular. Um, Yeah. Ren and Stimpy we might as well start off with because that one is just a phenomenon that still continues to be popular to this day. But Mm -hmm. did you watch it in the very beginning?
3: Uh, Ren and Stimpy in the very beginning, I I did a little bit of it. And, you know, from what I can remember, of course, as anybody else would probably remember, of course, the Happy Happy Joy Joy song. (laughs) Um, I mean, that gets drilled into your head, you know, right when you're starting to discover those kind of cartoons and, you know, even to this day that's something that's drilled into my head you know something you can't forget
1: yeah the the very first season i caught and i think if i remember correctly there's only like six episodes that very initial run and it was just if you're going to show them saturday night and sunday morning you're going to see them non-stop yet i was never bothered by this my favorite one was space madness i can repeat that one almost verbatim (laughs) My, the the part where he is uh he's completely gone and Ren just has uh he's floating in midair in the bathtub and he has the soap in his hand he's like did you see them did you see the crowds they're all around they're laughing ah my lovely ice cream bar ah. <laughs> oh I would repeat this in college later and it would be a 50-50 shot of whether or not you can judge somebody based on how they reacted to Ren and Stimpy they're just like that's stupid You're like can't be frenzy buddy.
3: Yeah the the one I can kind of remember uh, more or less a lot more was uh I think it was an episode where they were living in like a a dead man's coffin. <laughs> I don't know if you remember something like that. They lived and in it, weird it was, places, was, man. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of, you know, getting you ready for the adulthood where you can kind of just whatever you can find at a reasonable, you know, you can put up with some of the situations, you know, that's where they lived. So, um kind of, you know, a little bit of foreshadowing there, but um you know for adulthood but anyway like that's i think the one i remember like a lot more that's not as popular as as some of the other ones yeah i enough,
1: I, I, I don't I, remember that
3: yeah i mean and at the time i mean it, it's you know you're, you're a little kid you don't really read into it a whole lot but like you know i i kind of remember it now like they lived in the dead man's coffin that's kind of weird i think yeah. when um stimpy was like a stay-at-home mother of course and Ren was like the one that was going in the breadwinner essentially and that's that's how they lived so I think there's a, a, course a of course an episode of that individually
1: yeah if you look at their relationship it's it's very obvious that Stimpy was more the feminine the emotional one the one that would have the explosions but um Ren would be kind of like conniving and uh, greedy and when he did have explosions, you're like, oh, that's right. The parents are fighting again. That's they were like a married couple that had been around each other just way too long. The kids are gone, and their relationship is just exhausted. And you're like, wow, that's whew, that reminds me of my grandparents at times.
3: <laughs> it, it, it is a very dark. I mean, just of course when you look on a lot of the shows now, like it's a pretty dark, like kind of kind of show for kids watching at age. But yeah, then, of course, it, you know, there wasn't it wasn't anything such as politically correctness in that. And that no. time, you know, it's just kind of, oh, hey, let's go ahead and put this on.
1: Yeah, and, and at 9 o'clock in the morning now, they would probably air that for Adult Swim, and we'd be perfectly content with that. Yeah. Did you ever see the sequel, yep. the, the what is it, Ren and Stimpy Pool Party, or it was, it was something? It was on um Spike, like, in around 2003,
3: 2004? They had, like, remakes. Yeah, yeah, remakes of them. I never really got into that. I mean, at that time... Um, I was, what, a junior in high school, so I was a little more focused on some other things. Yeah. Uh, Well. I do, I do remember that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nostalgia. They thought nostalgia would carry the show to a new generation, but if you watch it on Spike TV, you look at the animation quality and it is garbage. It's It's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. It's flash animation for one, which is really stilted and very few people have ever been able to do flash right. In fact, the only show I think that ever used that that uh, technology the right way was uh, Foster's Imaginary uh Home for Imaginary Friends. Other than that, it always looks terrible, and uh, yeah. they it, it was insanely filthy. Like the the dirtiness was cranked so high that you were put off. Literally, they spend a whole episode living in a man's nutsack, and you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah,
3: and that, I think that at that point they're really just reaching for the that over the topness, you know. Around that time, they had, you know, quote-unquote cartoons such as, you know, South Park and yeah. that really pushed those kind of boundaries. So, I think they're kind of just trying to stay current with the times, you know, and just try to go over the top, like, as much as they could to where it's really ridiculous.
1: Which is a problem, because I feel like uh, the story dictates where you go, not ratings and... Uh uh shocking people is where a story should go if it it lends itself to something that's pushing the boundaries fine but if you're just doing it to get an audience then you've you've messed up somewhere
3: yeah and especially a show like that that's so you know classic in a sense where it has its own cult following like you know people were into it at that time and and what they remember in their childhood to to change it and make it something that it wasn't from their childhood like i said even the animation of it totally different you know it's like hey I don't recognize this this isn't the classic type of show i'm used to so i mean it, it it's you know that age old thing you know you can't make a classic uh, something new so i think that's that's kind of what they they killed themselves with is trying to make something that people um remembered as childhoods as being this you know something that's kind of put on a pedestal and then seeing it again it's like uh nah.
1: yeah the uh if you go back i actually have the first season i was re-watching it again and I think what grabbed everybody's attention wasn't so much the shock and the disgusting stuff. It was the tone and style that the uh, creator, John Kay, had. I mean, he would pick very off-putting music, like very strange sound clips to set a tone. And um, there'd be times where he wouldn't even do animation at all. It would just be like a really odd painting or a drawing of Wren or Stimpy. Mm-hmm. And he would zoom in on that to set like this... this unsettling kind of feeling with it and you're just like this sticks in my brain i don't know why
3: <laughs> yeah well, well we- yeah
1: and, and one of
3: those that like you, you brought that up one of those specific instances i can remember is when uh when i think ren is waking up and he has uh, like a crust in his <laughs> yeah, eyes that's exactly what i was thinking so of so crusty yeah <laughs> that he can't open his eyes and like you just you zoom in and it's just that one frame and it's not really a whole lot of animation going on but then like you see Stimpy's like I think his, his, his thumbs like come onto his eyes to try to like wipe it off but it's, it's not a whole lot of animation going on there it's just you know kind of that one frame and, and I, I, I can remember that really vividly because it's like all that gunk in his eyes it's like <laughs> kind of crazy I think now when, when I'm sick and I have that in my eyes, like, <laughs> in my eyes in my sleep, I think of that, oh, that specific you know show Uh, I can't open my eyes
1: (laughs) yeah Nickelodeon was actually really good at picking shows with strong creators because they knew they didn't have the same kind of budgets as the networks would and uh, the one thing that bugged me though was around I think it was season 3 or 4 they fired the creator John K because they felt he was going too far as the show became more and more popular they're under more pressure from parents and uh, I may be wrong with this but do you remember the episode where he licks the hair off like, he creates these giant hairballs that are worth a ton of money, and they get rich off of it. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I think that's the episode, if I remember correctly, because they thought it was, like, homoerotic, and they were like, we can't have any more of this. And they just fired him. And that's when the show just, like, crashed and burned. You didn't see hardly any merchandising for it anymore. No one was talking about it. Hmm. So it was – they should have – I think maybe they should have just ended the show. If they're going to fire the creator, they should have just stopped the show then and there.
3: Oh, yeah, and you and you see it with some, some cartoons, you know, today where – I mean I, I am a watcher of Adventure Time, so you can tell when a creative director leaves a show or like is fired or leaves abruptly, the the whole total change in the tone of show like automatically you can see and it's like, uh, you know, maybe maybe I'm done with that show, so
1: Yeah, um, did you ever play the games? The Ran City games for the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo? Uh,
3: no, I uh that that specific time in my childhood i had a
1: sega genesis oh. um,
3: i don't remember if it was available for the sega genesis
1: actually i don't know why i um, reacted like that i have to tell you this i was a sega genesis man myself but around 94 someone gave us one and i was like okay nintendo you can go over here i am completely absorbed <laughs> by genesis that became like my system for years i stuck with sega uh, all the way until i got a ps2
3: so you got a dreamcast
1: wait no no, I had a Saturn. No, I didn't have a Dreamcast. Well, well, now I'm trying okay. to... Maybe, maybe I just, just didn't have a system at that time. <laughs> I don't remember now. Dream,
3: I think that I think the Dreamcast came after the Sega Saturn.
1: No. Yeah, a Sega Saturn came out in 94 or 5, and then the Dreamcast came out in 99. And I remember being ready to buy one. I went to the store, and I played a boxing game, and I was just like, I think I'm going to hold off for a little bit, see how the catalog turns out. <laughs> and I don't know. I think I just kept putting it off. But yeah, the Ren and Stimpy games... I don't think they ever came out for the Genesis. It, they were yeah. But I'll say this. They're the most irritating games you've ever played. First first level. <laughs> a yeah, a lot of those uh, movie game franchise adaptations or whatever. First round. Oh, this is really easy. This is fun. Second round. Oh, my God. I can't. And you throw down the controller and quit.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if if you go back and play any of those games now, you realize how hard they are. I got a um, one of those Genesis that Target sells for... Um, for Christmas around Christmas time, they have preloaded games on oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. I tell you, Altered Beasts. I, I played, oh. uh, got past the first level like with only one life left. Second yeah. level couldn't even. It wasn't even a possibility to be past.
1: Mine's Comic Zone. It's a brilliant yeah. uh, design and it's a fun game, but it's so insanely hard that you just end up like just going, "I quit. I can't do this anymore." I think that we're weaker gamers now. Back then, you yeah. were just like, "This is all I got. I, I have to beat this. This game cost you sixty bucks." You have <laughs> yeah you have
3: three lives and that's how much you have to beat the game you know no checkpoints no starts you know they if a game was was nice they they throw in you know one of those passwords that you had to go ahead and copy down i used to have pages and pages <laughs> of codes written down and oh wait which one's this and putting them in trying to continue my game but yeah three lives and that's all you had to, to beat the whole thing
1: unless you had a game genie <laughs> but yeah, those those people junior. always got looked down on. If you had a game genie, you're like, "Man, you're not a real gamer. You're cheating." <laughs>
3: yeah. You never that's another thing you don't admit publicly like, "Yeah, I got a game genie."
1: Man, they must have sold a ton of those cuz there are some games where you're just like, "I quit. I got to I just got to cheat somehow." Now you can just look online and go, "Oh, that's where I go." And then nobody knows, the, you know, any wiser. Yeah. All right, so the other shows on Snick uh, Doug and Rugrats, of course, I said were part of the lineup. Sort of, they were that that seven to seven or seven to eight o'clock right before Snick. And I know it's not technically part of it, for some reason, I just I start at seven o'clock and would watch the whole three-hour lineup. Did you ever watch those two shows?
3: Of course, that's those are the two shows I think um, childhood-wise I remember like the most and the fondest of of those. I mean, once again, my my sisters were were into Rugrats, which got me into Rugrats and you know, I had a best friend in elementary school that was in the Rugrats and you know, um, doing whatever we could to talk about it or or watch it, like that was a huge thing. And then Doug um was more of just me solo because, you know, he's he's in that middle school, high schoolish like area and it's like, oh, these this guy's going through things that I go through. So those those two are definitely the ones that I um I remember very fondly.
1: the uh well, I think the reason Rugrats works for multi-generations is because it has that Muppet babies factor. Yes, it's cute, and it's about babies, but the storylines, either they were fantastical, so it captured your imagination, or they were completely grounded in reality, and anybody of any age could relate to it. And I think that's why it went on for so long, and why, is it still going? Isn't I think it's spun off into All Grown Up or something like that.
3: Yeah, they, they came <laughs> off with a spinoff to where they actually, you know grew they were were more than just babies they they kind of grew into um adolescent teens um after being babies for so long i guess that's kind of one thing they try to do to get keep the show rolling but um i don't think it's on anymore i think they they did like two seasons of that and
1: we're done okay yeah i know the movies were pretty popular so i kind of thought that was going to be a franchise that was ongoing but um i'm sure you can find them online I, i believe they're on dvd and uh yeah. that's something that anybody can watch especially if you're a parent you can watch it with your kids it's a better connection i think that way
3: yeah i think the 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 craziest thing about that show is you know it, it like you said not only appealed to the younger generation but you know even some parents you know their their uh babies are referring to certain things you know over hearsay you know something like a doctor they have no clue what it is and it's like they've got the babies anyway have this made up mind in their picture and you know an adult's like oh i know exactly what that is and kind of laugh you know back and forth
1: yeah that see i'm not a parent so i might be like out of the loop but it's a show that also is easy for anybody to get the point you don't have to be a parent to uh understand and those guys uh i I don't know how to say their names it's uh klasky kasupo are the guys behind this team and Yeah, they, uh, they created all real monsters, rocket power, wild thornberries. But here's the thing that surprised me. They produced music videos for the Beastie Boys.
3: Oh, yeah, I did not know that. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, they did animation for the In Living Color theme. Or, you know, when it opens up, whatever. They did that art design for that and 21 Jump Street okay. at the same time producing. So it's it, I guess they just had an animation company that would go on yeah, later you know- to design their own cartoons.
3: Yeah, that that in living color. Now that I think of that, that intro, like that, kind of has the same Rugrat appeal, where it's like this weird pattern just meshing together and then making something. I think I think that was the same kind of title screen effect that both of them had.
1: And um, oh, wow, this re- this was on longer than I thought it was. It was on for nine seasons, a hundred and seventy two yeah. cartoons. That's got to be one of the most successful cartoons of all time. There's hardly anything that even hits a hundred episodes these days. Wow
3: yeah and, and you think about not just that, but I remember having pencils with Rugrats on them and and you know products of, of Rugrats lunch pails, backpacks. you know that's I think that's one of the first like cartoon character items that I like I owned was like I went to school with a Rugrats pencil and I was like the cool guy
1: <laughs> really because they, they didn't give you any grief for that. That's actually how cool the yeah, show was.
3: Well, yeah, and see the thing it like I I think I remember fondly like it was around 5th grade that I was I was going to school and it was it was getting pretty big and you know 5th grade I mean you're not you're not too cool you're not in middle, middle school or you know junior high or anything so you're you're still kind of that elementary student um so yeah I, I, it was cool I think 5th or 6th grade and then you know Once you go into the the junior high, that's not something I watch anymore publicly. (laughs) That was a a guilty pleasure of mine, you know, using my sister's as excuses. Like, oh, you know, yeah, let's watch it, I guess.
1: I had that moment in fifth grade, my birthday, at a pizza party, and I got G.I. Joe's. And my Mm -hmm. friends were all looking at me like, what are you still getting G.I. Joe's for? And I'm like, (laughs) oh, God, I got to sell these all off. I got to get baseball cards. I got to fit in. And this is my lesson. Anybody listening here who's young, uh, it's your life. Like what you like. Yeah. No matter what you do, someone's going to make fun of you for it. Uh, you yeah. could be a millionaire with all the toys in the world, and then everybody's going to make fun of you going, Oh, look at rich boy here. There's no way to win. So just stick to your guns. Like what you like.
3: And just think some of those G.I. Joes you probably got rid of. You know, some people that are, you know, twice as old as we are are looking for those specific ones. Like, oh, I need to find it. So...
1: You have just stuck a thorn in my side, man. That hurts. I think about this every day. Okay, I sold my G.I. Joe figures, I swear to you, 50 cents a piece for baseball cards that would eventually oh, be absolutely worthless. And uh, and all of a sudden, I just see, like, in price guides, like, 10 years later, I'm like, oh, my God, I had those. Oh, I had that, too. Oh, I sold all the – oh, son- I could have paid for college with those G.I. Joe toys. I had so many. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't afford a Transformer to save my life, but G.I. Joe is 3 bucks. Woo! The, uh, the third cartoon we want yeah, to discuss before yeah, Oh god <laughs> Yep Are you? I think there's a pause There's a delay I'm... on me talking and you talking <laughs> Possibly Okay yeah um, The third cartoon we want to discuss is Doug And then we'll finish off Snick um, This is the one that I think Everybody between the age of 40 Or oh, sorry uh, 30 and 40 automatically knows Doug Actually it probably goes beyond that doesn't it Probably anybody over the age of twenty remembers Doug.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm what twenty seven. I remember Doug. My my sisters were younger. They remember Doug. So um, they're about twenty. Yeah, but they're twenties. So I would say so.
1: I feel like there was a moment that you, me, and Emily had in the back room where we started humming the theme. Da 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 And there was this weird moment where we where it was all over with like yeah. We get it. We get each other. We're cool. Yeah. <laughs> and walked out. <laughs> and, it,
3: and it's so funny because you know, in in a uh, in that work environment that we were in, um, a lot of those those kids, you know, I guess, hey, kids, because they were in college, you know, they they had no idea what kind of melody that was. You know, they kind of right over the head. Phew! Yeah, but, it's... Um, it's kind of that little inside joke that you know us us older people would kind of appreciate. <laughs> and and you know, yeah, that was. I mean, that was a show that that you know. Even my wife, right now, right before, I, I was telling her that I was going to come in and talk about this. She's like, you know, Doug, like, what about Doug? You guys can talk about Doug. She's like, yeah, you know, we'll talk about Doug. You know, So that's that's definitely a, a show that I think resonates with everybody.
1: The uh, the one major thing that I think that makes Doug so special is while Ren and Stimpy was more for outrageous and artistic style, like he was trying to set um, like a radical movement animation, and Rugrats was cute, Doug was the everyman. He was the guy in situations that we've all been in. Whether it's just your normal everyday, like, oh, I went to school with my zipper down. Oh, it's embarrassing. Or is dealing with uh, depression, dealing with uh, bullying. Uh, the, the, everything that you deal with, even in your grown up life, don't think that high school ever ends. There's always yeah. stuff that you're like, oh my God, this is the same exact thing as it was 20 years ago. It resonates. And the episodes, I just watched some, the episodes don't, they're not dated at all. And I think that's why the show really lasts. It's a really, really good cartoon.
3: Yeah, and and the cool thing was that Doug was not you know, and, and the school he was in, you know, obviously that's kind of your first intro if you weren't in it already to there being popular kids and sporty kids and these people started separating in groups, but Doug was just a regular guy with with one best friend and you know the things that he did was average it wasn't over the top it wasn't you know underwhelming it was just average i think the average person like you said can can really relate well to it
1: yeah the uh yeah he was never really athletic he was never really good looking he was just like you said average he was kind of mediocre at the excellent You know, he was never going to go on any grand adventures. This was a slice of life, kind of. It was basically like an animated Andy Griffith. Just the normal everyday mundane things you go through in life. And uh, the way that it affects somebody and how to deal with it. It didn't just present those situations. It also kind of had a realistic approach of how do you take care of these situations. And we need more shows like that. I feel like a lot of animation now is either all action or All weird, there's nothing really that normal yeah. out there except maybe Bob's Burgers, that's about the most, but still, an eccentric <laughs> viewpoint of the mundane.
3: Yeah, well, not just that, but I don't think too many cartoons are focusing on some of those like life lessons per se and, and how certain situations present themselves to a, a younger adolescent, you know, or junior high school kind of person. Um, so I think I think that's really lacking in today's um pop culture cartoon shows and everything so one thing i could say though about doug that he was extraordinary and was his imagination i mean this guy would think up of the most randomest occurrences of being a you know like a superhero or an indiana jones runoff kind of thing and and he was he was all all out there with his imagination
1: huh i just it just occurred to me so he is basically like a cartoon version of walter mitty yeah
3: i mean yeah i mean he had he had those um you know personas that in in certain situations. Oh, what would Quail Man do, or what would you oh know? Um, I
1: forget about I don't Quail think Man. one
3: was like a double oh seven, yeah, double oh seven, like kind of character, and one was like I said, Indiana Jones. Um, so he had he had like these you know um, other personas that he imagined himself as taking care of some of those situations too, which which I think was pretty funny.
1: Yeah, and it's also. um something we can relate to. We've all been in situations where we're like, man, if I just could have done that, you know, it could have changed that. And, it, you know, you just got to deal with the reality of it. But yeah, he had a, um, a strong imagination. I shouldn't have said that he wasn't extraordinary at something. Cause you're right. He had a, <laughs> such a wonderful imagination. I'm looking at the creator of Doug, Jim Jenkins. And uh, I didn't even know he created any other shows. And it's kind of a letdown what he did do after Doug. I haven't seen any of these, so if they're amazing, let me know. PBJ and Otter yeah. uh, he did the 101 Dalmatians show, the JoJo Circus, Stanley Pinky Dinky Doo. I've never even heard of those three.
3: Uh, I, I PB and J Otter, I think was a uh, Nick Jr. show for uh, younger like toddlers. Um, that's the only one I can think of that hits a hits a string in my memory.
1: Yeah, it just seems like he uh, maybe he just ran out of things to say, like important things to say with Doug and just decided to go more kid-friendly and trying to teach them lessons in a different way. Which, I don't... No, knock yeah, on I mean, that, but...
3: Doug, yeah, Doug went for a while. I mean, they even had the, the spin-off where they were... I think they were a little older as well, too. I don't know if you remember that, but... Um, I remember like the movie. Doug had... Yeah, I think it was after the movie. Like, the the character from the animation, like, they it wasn't much of a, a year gap it was like maybe a couple years between the original one and then the new one and like the differences were really subtle so like doug had longer sleeves to his white shirt and i think like patty manny has had even shorter hair or something like that and yeah you know skeeter might have been a different shade of blue so and they changed
1: the voice <laughs> artist i know that i know billy west uh who is mostly yeah. i think known for futurama uh and ren and stimpy he did doug I think while it's still at, every time I say Dig Dug, like the game, <laughs> uh, he did the voice while at Nickelodeon. But I think when it switched over to Disney, they got a different voice artist.
3: Yeah, yeah, that, I think that's what it was, was as well. When they switched over to Disney, they they tried to make him a little older. Um, but I think I think the one the one crazy thing too, you know, not to be all over the place, but like multiple characters had different, like, colored skin, like blue and pink and yellow, and I thought that was kind of really cool that they did because you really didn't see color in that TV show. You know, Roger was green. Like, you know, it wasn't anything as far as as a color kind of um, show or, you know, discriminated against other colors. Like, the guy made someone green.
1: Well, I think that Nickelodeon was the revolution that they needed in animation. If you look just prior to the whole uh early 90s animation was stuck it was stagnant it was ugly it was generic and then it was these little guys coming out of nowhere doing these cable shows uh that changed the style if you look at those shows you look at uh duck you look at dr cats uh the therapist you know the comedy show the yeah, yeah. uh they had to have something very unique in their color palette in their style of animation not just in the technical part but in the way that they approached a situation on a limited budget, and it broke animation out, um, and it's necessary. You still see the effects of these cartoons today. Instead of it going back to generic uh, animation, they uh, even today, like you said, Adventure Time stuff like that, they have a very unique look, and it's about the yeah. creator's style, not the company's style. Yeah,
3: and I mean now, now especially too, I think you know there's there's cartoons out there that are trying to push that that boundary of animation to try to make it their own and come up with these you know wacky kind of ideas and um the content in it itself too is, is pushing i think pushing a little bit of those boundaries again where i mean you've got a show on cartoon network called uncle grandpa which is kind of you know stepping into the realm of, of some stuff. <laughs> the
1: uh i still don't understand how it is for like 30 years people tolerated the look of hanna-barbera if you look at what they were doing at the time, and then all the other companies were copying them, and you're just like, nobody thought to do something original and different? I think the only thing that looks unique at that time was Fat Albert. And uh, yeah. everything else was just like, wow, that is stiff and generic looking. And it wasn't until Mighty Mouse, I don't know if you've ever seen the Mighty Mouse cartoon from 87. Um,
3: yeah, I haven't seen too many of the cartoons, but that was actually my uh, nickname, Engineer High. No
1: kidding. So. Why?
3: Yeah. Familiar, because um, I was, you know, short, but oh. I guess I had a lot of heart. Um, I, I did track and everything like that, so um, being like the athletic type that I am, you know, just kind of all that heart, not a lot of size kind of resonated. I think one of my PE teachers, you know, dubbed the name, so kind of just just stuck, but no one's called me that forever, so that's a little little insider.
1: Man, you got a cool name. You know what my nickname was for <laughs> about six months, junior year? was uh well first off it started off as Waldo because I accidentally dressed in a striped shirt, I had glasses and I had hair just like him back when I had hair. Um it was Waldo for the first week. Then for the next uh eh, five and a half months it was Hey Dildo. Hey dildo. Where's Dildo? There's dildo. Yeah. High school sucked. <laughs>
3: Very obscure. I'm afraid to ask you how. <laughs> what? I'm afraid to ask you how that
1: came about. Well, no, it's just because I look like Waldo. Where's Waldo one day? And then for some reason, yeah. I thought it'd be funny if just to call me Dildo instead of Waldo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the uh, Sorry, that went to a dark place. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, other shows we want to talk about real quick is uh, Roundhouse, which was like the dance skit show, which everybody kind of badmouths now, but I actually remember enjoying it quite a bit.
3: I don't remember that one as fondly.
1: Uh, it was on for three years. It was basically uh, it was I remember it coming out right after Newsies' because some of the kids that were in Newsies went on to this show and it would be dance numbers and then you'd do a couple skits and then a couple more dance okay, numbers yeah. So it was a weird it was a, a way of mixing up um, like an MTV style music variety show. show yeah it was basically type. yeah just a variety show mixed with like Siren live skits but of course played down to the audience. But nobody famous, so, yeah. nobody famous came from that. It's weird. And um, yeah, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead. uh Did you have anything else to say about Roundhouse? Because I was gonna move on.
3: Oh no, go ahead. I okay. Mean, I guess I don't remember it too often. I remember the the varieties part of it, but where like the people or kids were choreography, like dancing a number, and right? Same kids in the skits.
1: Yeah, it was it was a pretty entertaining show. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. But every time I hear someone talk about it now, they're like, "That show's so stupid." But I haven't, I honestly, I haven't seen it since, and I'm afraid to ruin that nostalgia. That you... childhood memory
3: of, right. no, Kind of, kind of what Ninja Turtles did for me when it came out this <laughs> last year. But anyway, yeah,
1: not the... being bitter at all. <laughs> Are you talking about the new one, with Michael, the Michael Bay movie? Oh, yeah. I, I'm afraid to watch it, dude. Everybody I've told is like, they crapped all over my childhood. I'm afraid to watch yeah, it. Yeah, man. Do not do it. And,
3: and for anybody listening, do not, do not murder your childhood in that way and watching that movie
1: <laughs> i watched the original uh about a month ago and i still found myself like uh in the middle of the night like i got up to go to the bathroom and i was going to R T L E power teenage ninja turtles i love that first You talking movie. about the the live action one right yeah i love that the first live action yeah. movie the second third one not so much but yeah the the new one it looks awful the the turtles themselves look hideous yeah, you didn't like the second one Eh, it's okay but uh, I feel like it turned more Into a commercial like they rushed it It doesn't have If you look at the style of the first Ninja Turtles movie compared to the second one They're wildly different The first one has attitude and it feels like Just something special The second one looks like it was shot in Canada uh, Really fast and it's really Bright and colorful and kid friendly And I just don't like it Plus Not too dark. Razar and Tomax What? <laughs>
3: Yeah, that, I think that was the introduction to like the ooze. You know, I, I liked it because of the ooze. You know, and then of course, you know that that nifty number by uh, Vanilla Ice. But, um, <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh man, you know. nobody nobody can think about that movie and not think uh, Ninja <laughs> Rap Ninja. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Clar- ex- I told you I can never say the name right. Clarissa, Clarissa explains it all. Um, I have to admit that I had a horrible crush on her. And. Clarissa. Yeah, what is her name again? She was in the Sabrina Teenage Witch movie. Um
3: Melissa Joan Hart.
1: Yeah. Um they were asking her if she wanted to do a remake of this. Like mm-hmm. like I, you know, it's about time where she could have a child who is old enough to have her yeah. own and they could take it from two perspectives, like from hers and then as um as Cla- an adult to see what it's like to be a parent. And she says, "Nah, I mm-hmm. just don't want to do it yeah, again." Yeah,
3: I think that's it's one of the things. Right,
1: go ahead. Oh, wow! There is a delay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I
3: was, I was going to say there's they kind of did the same thing with the whole girl meets world and boy meets world kind of dynamic too, where they they you know brought that back into the the kids perspective and as well as those characters that you knew you know we knew as as kids as well. So you know I think that might be something that can can work. You know, it's work with that show.
1: Yeah, the nostalgia factor for the '90s is in full effect, and if her show is over with, I don't see why not. I think it's a really good idea.
3: Yeah, and then of course they'd have to. There's Joey, right? They brought back. They brought back Joey. He has. He has to be in that show as well. Yeah, no kidding. Right, he was. He was the guy that came through the, the the window and everything
1: yeah i don't i don't know uh, i was looking up some of the cast and uh, a lot of these people really didn't go much uh anywhere after this. sean o'neill was the one that played her best friend here's what surprised me is her brother um jason's number his name was fergie or Fergface or whatever she came up with that episode yeah. i uh ju- we're, we're born almost around the same time and he went to college in notre dame and i'm from indiana and i went to college in indiana and then he moved to portland to open the theater just as i was moving to portland it's it's weird how our lives are just like huh are you going to are you gonna go to california and work for target for a little while too
3: <laughs> yeah, all the way in san luis
1: yeah um that is that is a show that still holds up very well it's what, what's the show i'm thinking uh saved by the bell like you watch it now and you're just like what were we thinking were we morons for embracing this show
3: <laughs> it's, it was the uh i think it was some of the at the time you know those those uh parachute pants and, and tank tops you know it's, it's kind of what was in
1: yeah the uh at least Clar- clarissa it uh the plot the plot is the focus not the style and that's why i think it yeah. still holds up pretty well though if i find myself watching more than one episode it gets kind of weird like oh one episode for nostalgia and then after like i'm on episode 12 i should i'm guessing yeah, feels creepy <laughs>
3: Yeah, just watching a, a show centered on you know a, a woman as a main character or a girl at the time as a main character for extensive amount of hours probably is, isn't a good thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, not healthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Are you afraid of the dark? This one I thought was actually pretty good. It was a uh, there was kind of a trend at the time doing the horror kid shows. I think there was Goosebumps. Goosebumps, um... yeah,
3: the, the books, and then they made that into a TV show.
1: Wasn't there another one? There was Erie, Indiana. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Goosebumps. And I feel like there was a fourth one. Ah, but um, it was kind of yeah. a trend to do the horror anthology, but take the horror part out of it. And I remember Are You Afraid of the Dark being one of the better ones because they had a decent cast, decent budget, and the stories were pretty good.
3: Yeah, and then it, it was, you know, even though the, the actors were different, you know, kind of had that Tales from the Crypt, kind of different actors, different stories and everything like that. But, you know, those those kids that met in the beginning were all... You know regulars and you can oh hey you know i like this this guy's story more than his or you know anything like that so i think for me i was it was always exciting seeing one of my favorite you know characters telling the story i don't know if that had anything to do with the writer and the character but you know as a little kid i remember oh i like his stories his his stories are cool
1: yeah it's a show they put some decent time and i was looking at some of the guests they had in the show and usually these kind of shows um they center around one host and then they kind of just have people pop in and out. And it depends on the budget. Like, uh, Tales from the Crypt, of course, you had all the big stars. Then you get like, around yeah. Tales from the Dark Side, and you're like, I don't know anybody in this. Ew. But uh, they had Bobcat Goldwaite, uh, Charles S. Dutton, Ryan Gosling, Nev Campbell, Melissa Joan Hart, Hayden Christensen, um, the Maori sisters. So, I mean, you can see there's at least some decent names involved in the show. And that's pretty cool, From yeah. at least from a nostalgia yeah, those- factor.
3: Yeah, and those are people that, as kids, you recognize with. You know, you, you recognize the Maori sisters from, from other kids' shows and, and everything like that. So I think that that definitely has that. Like, those are the stars of the kids' shows. So why not them be in those episodes?
1: Yeah, and I believe the very first episode, and I could be wrong about this, the very first episode is actually hosted by one of the brothers from Pete and Pete, Danny Tamborelli. Um yeah. I remember
3: him doing like a little guest story kind of thing.
1: They had the campfire thing where they would have their core group, usually like the same kids, but then they would have, like you said, a floating guest that would come in to tell a story. And I remember he he had to have been on a very early episode if it wasn't the first. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's going to be our final show to talk about is The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Pete and Pete. So this is one that actually started on Sunday mornings. But I believe in the second season, they moved it to SNICK because it was something so unusual. I think as the Sunday morning fell apart, I don't believe Salute Your sh- uh, Shorts and Hey Dude and hey, uh, Hello Freshman, uh, Welcome Freshman lasted very long. So they kind of yeah. moved their focus to Saturday night. And that's where Pete and Pete belonged anyway because it was more mature. It was kind of unusual. It had a otherworldly feel to its... it's like yeah, I think
3: that- yeah, what I took from, from that show, like, of course, there, there's two brothers, you know, and, and really, I mean, there's episodes, and some some of what was going on was, like, urban legendary, you know, some of the kind of that small-time feel where, you know, Billy jumped over the lake or something like that, and I think if I could remember correctly. Like, those, those crazy, like, urban legends in that town, and then, you know... Um, Having adventures, you know, of their own and stuff like that. I think I think that was really cool. I, re- I remember watching Pete and Pete and thinking, man, I, I really wish I had a, a weird brother or someone to play with like that or have adventures like that. So,
1: yeah, they're uh, they were two very smart. Actually, everybody in the movie was very smart, even if they were strange. There was like a special feeling about them. I think I all our favorite characters. Um were treated very well. Nobody was played down. Um, Artie, the strongest man in the world, is still something I quote on a regular basis. (laughs) And if you know what I mean, then people are like, yeah, I get it. I remember that show. It's awesome. Yeah. But um, I think that it was something that was kind of like with the in crowd, like a lot of the alternative kind of guys would show up, like Steve Buscemi, I remember showing up, Um, Michael Stipe. It was a kid's show that was so strange that uh, it was almost above anything that Nickelodeon was doing at the time. It almost felt like something that should have been on, um, almost like Fox, you know, like when they were in their weird state or maybe HBO, because it was so different.
3: Yeah, and it, it, was, it wasn't, you know, from what I can remember watching, it wasn't anything like strictly, you know, designated to a story where you have to watch these episodes in continuality in order to get the grand scheme of things, but it's just different instances and weird adventures that would happen from, you know, normal life, essentially.
1: Yeah, like you were saying with Are You Afraid of the Dark, where it was an anthology, that is almost the way it is with Adventures of Pete and Pete. Because, like you said, they were telling like um, urban legends. Each episode was pretty much self-contained. You didn't need to know exactly what happened before. And um, I think my favorite episode might actually be the first episode where they go on the road trip. And I think they're going to the Hoover Dam and it ends up being this just truly bizarre epic. I, I, my favorite part is the little brother is trying to check his air quality. And I still can't believe this ended up on a kid's show. I believe he sticks the uh, tire gauge in his rear just to check to see if he's full.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things that attests to that that time. You know, there wasn't really a whole lot of politically correctness going on. But, you know, if kids kind of got a laugh out of it, that's kind of what was was okay, I guess, at the time.
1: Yeah. Of all of these shows, this is the one that I recommend the most because it's something that is timeless it was all american kind of world where it was never about the moment you know anything that was popular at that time was never really paid attention to it was almost like a 50s it was a twisted leave it to beaver of sorts yeah and um i believe all the seasons are available they are very short seasons cable i think most people are used to cable now but uh, you know, normal shows were doing twenty-two to twenty-four episodes. They were lucky if they could get even thirteen out. So it was yeah. thirty-five episodes. And I looked this up just now, and I did not know this: that Snow Day was originally meant to be a Pete and Pete movie. Oh really? Yeah. I somewhere along the way, Nickelodeon changed their mind, and I'm just like, no! no!
3: <laughs> did they Did they have a movie for it? I don't remember. No, if they, was they was a never movie or
1: did. Not. Snow Day was supposed to be a uh-huh. continuation. Nickelodeon said, no, we're moving on and that was it. They had a couple special episodes afterwards, like holiday specials, and that's it. I have not seen either one of the kids. I don't know if they're still acting or not, but I'm curious to see what they're like right now. Hopefully uh Yeah they're they're wonderful
3: they're IMDB will let you know what they're up to.
1: Yeah, I'm looking every right now. I just you always worry about child actors to see if something went, you know, or horribly <laughs> awry or things are good with them now. But hopefully they're in good places. It looks it looks like, oddly enough, the older brother became an electrician, and the younger brother is still in the business doing stand-up comedy and music and stuff like that. So good for them. You never want to see, oh, well, he's in prison. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so I think we've hit the end of our episode. Is there anything else that we want to throw in before we go?
3: Um, no. I mean, that, that sounded pretty solid and everything, so...
1: All right, everybody. Thank you for your support with Retro Rocket thank Entertainment you. and Back in Tunes in general. There's a page set up for both, but if you go to Facebook, check out Back in Tunes. You can find every episode that we've done so far. And um, Andrew, thank you for coming on the show.
3: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me, Michael.
1: All right, everybody. Have it's a good night. Kind of weird, I called you Michael. What?
3: <laughs> Have a good one.
1: Why? What do you use it? Weird, me?
3: I called you Michael. It's always just Mike. don't you know, Mike, Mike.
1: Oh no, it's fine. As long as you don't call me dildo. <laughs> 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 Do you like that callback? No, taken. <laughs> All yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. Good All night. Right. <laughs> no. All right, everybody, good night. All right. Manchester Steel here, the greatest man in the world. I'm here to tell you about something that's almost as great as me. The Back in Tunes Super Show, hosted by Michael and Jacob. And you should have a good time. <laughs> Welcome everybody to back in tune super show. I'm your host, Michael Jacob. How's it going?
0: Hey, it's going good. Oh, my legs are killing me. I went on a huge hike the other day for four hours. Yeah, Dad, what were
1: are doing looking for treasure. Yes.
0: And I found a hobbit.
1: Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And wait a minute. You live someone somewhere very, very hot. Why would you walk this far in like 9000 degree weather?
0: Oh, no, I did it early in
1: the morning. Oh, that's right. I forgot what morning looks like. This is about as early as I get up. Ten. Ah, I'm not an early riser. (laughs) All right, everybody, this episode we are going to be discussing the works of Jay Ward. If you don't know who Jay Ward is, he is the co-creator or just the main creator behind great hits like Rocky and Bullwinkle, Dudley Do-Right, George of the Jungle, Super Chicken, Tom Slick, uh, Crusader Rabbit, and so much more. And we thought about just doing Rocky and Bullwinkle. We're like, you know what? Why don't we just like just get all his stuff out of the way in, in a special episode?
0: Ray I know it makes sense because he made so many classic iconic cartoons. I mean, gosh, I would wake up every morning watching George of the Jungle.
1: Yes. Um, Sometimes I, before I, I went to school. Can I can I tell you that I've never seen George of the Jungle? I, I had before we discussed this. I realized I have never seen. I've seen the movies, but I've never seen the cartoon. And uh, but Rocky and Bullwinkle was constantly playing when I was a kid.
0: My gosh, man.
1: I know, right? Good, good the, uh, lord.
0: Good lord, man.
1: I actually thought until last week that he was also responsible for um, Tennessee Tuxedo, but I was way off on that <laughs> one. It's, it's like a similar style, uh, similar format, but he had nothing to do with Tennessee Tuxedo or Underdog, and they all kind of have like a similar feel, a look.
0: I, I really thought Underdog was one of his projects, too. My god, yeah. I love that. I love that cartoon.
1: All right, so before we hop into our conversation, let's go ahead and play the theme song to Rocky and Bowling I
0: mean, Come on, I mean, just the name underdog was...
1: Yeah? What about it? Do it now! Okay, I'll do it now. Okay. All right, that was a shortened version of it. I'm not going to play the whole thing. That was going to take like a minute and a half. But uh Rocky and Bullwinkle. And there is a delay between us,
0: is yeah. there? No, 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 no. I was, was going to say something, and then you were about to say something. We end up cutting each other off. That. That's the problem. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, about uh, what I wanted to say about Underdog, I mean, heck, just... Look at it. His title did not dictate fear. It may have called Underdog, but he was not the Underdog. He was a superhero. He was like a dog version of Superman, pretty much. Could have been Crypto's best friend, for all we
1: know. Yeah. Um, the Underdog, well, he's the Underdog because his real-life persona is... Uh... You know, kind of nebbish. You know, it's it's something that, uh, you know, he, as Underdog himself, he was not. Uh, kind of like, oh, he, he's a loser, he's a shucks kind of guy, you know. But, uh, you know, as Underdog... He won't uh, make it. Why am I not thinking of his character? What was Underdog's uh, regular name? Shoeshine... I forget. <laughs> Shoeshine Shit. His name was Shoeshine Shit. The, it was a really progressive yeah, Shushine show. Yeah, It was a, the first show on HBO, and uh, Underdog was a filthy... Superhero
0: Liar (laughs) I I just
1: want to play real quick Underdog was actually My favorite of the bunch And uh, I thought it would be Kind of cool If we threw that music In for that as well
0: Oh yeah Definitely Although I wasn't too fond Of the live action movie With Jason Jason Lee As the voice of Underdog I
1: like Jason Lee But uh, if you're going to do it You go with an animated dog and uh Underdog, I used to be able to do the voices, too. Let's see if we get the theme going real quick. Wow, wow, wow. When criminals in this world fear, I bring the laws of you fear. I'm
2: right, all you see
0: are
2: fears. The cry goes
0: up both far oh. and mere purpose. Underdog. 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 That is it. Oh, my God, it's
2: been so long.
0: Yeah, his real name was Shoeshine.
1: Yeah, it wasn't just Shoeshine, though. It was Shoeshine and something else. What the hell was it?
0: Or Shoeshine Boy.
1: That, that can't be it. Shoeshine Boy? That That is, like, really low levels of uh, thought there. You know what? Uh, I have to apologize. I have literally just woken up, so I'm usually on fire during these episodes. Let's get back on page. Uh, before we get into Underdog, we are going to discuss... Rocky and Bullwinkle. Now, Rocky and Bullwinkle was not his first success. It was actually Crusader Rabbit, but I actually watched Crusader Rabbit, and uh, it uh, it makes sense why uh, no one really talks about it. Now, true, the budget on cartoons back in the day when that was created were um, very, very low. So you just had to do what you had to do. And he actually had kind of a cool style with it, but um, nothing really happens. But it was... uh, Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, it was... uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle is the one that... Really, his name was Shoeshine Boy. This is insane. Um, (laughs) But, uh, like we're saying, Jay Ward had nothing to do with Underdog. Um, But, damn, they look like the same kind of style, but it was created by W.Y. Bigger's We should discuss this on a future episode. And uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, that is the one I think is the most popular of all of his series. I know that the George of the Jungle movie was huge, and it, it kind of revived it. But Rocky and Bullwinkle, even though they've tried, I think, what, three times now with movies? It is the pinnacle oh. of his style. And he set a whole new trend with the way that it was, like, uh, you know, the short films intermixed with the main character. So it wasn't just Rocky and Bullwinkle, of course. Like It is called Rocky and Bullwinkle and Friends. And it was the little characters that they would try out and see if they took off.
0: And, of course, some of them didn't.
1: Um it's hard to say there hardly any of them got any spin-offs. I think Deadly Do Right is the only one that really took off. Me, uh, Peabody and Sherman of course was very popular.
0: Oh yeah, no. I mean it did get an animated movie, I think what last year? Yeah,
1: I have not and, seen it. And
0: yeah, either. it got a lot of good reviews. I I watched it. It was on Netflix. I thought yeah, no, it was great. It really held up well to Peabody and Sherman. And of course, funny thing it, there was also this whole um like debate within the movie where uh Mr. Peabody uh, couldn't legally allow uh to adopt Sherman. Really? Because he was a dog. Huh. Yeah, they kinda play on that. So he tries to come over he tries to have uh, convince them that he is like a responsible owner. Oh god owner. I know it's it's, it's role reversal. A dog owning a human. Right, right. That's funny.
1: The um the thing about <laughs> Jay Ward's works is that he fit a lot of satire into it. You know, it, it, it was aimed at kids, but if an adult was around I bet you a lot of the jokes they would have caught the kids have just gone over their heads. We were just watching like, uh, oh, we were watching oh. episodes just last week or maybe two weeks ago, and I was like, "Man, this is still kind of uh, kind of grown up and you know sophisticated for a cartoon."
0: Very relevant, yeah. I mean, like, oh, that's an anti Reagan joke. Good one there. <laughs> Good one there, Jay Ward. <laughs> uh, there
1: are um, points where it breaks the fourth wall on a regular basis. You know, kind of pokes fun at TV itself and a lot of that stuff oh, you not yeah. really get across really with animation. I know it's the best satire tends to be with animation because live action TV I feel like there's too many people in the mix and it gets washed away. Like oh, people oh, are going to get it. this. Just get rid of it.
0: Not true. Hogwash. They do get it. And also, um yeah. As far as like the movies go for um Rocky and Bully go, I can only recall two uh the one the like Boris and Natasha which the I movie think is excellent. I love the I Boris can... and
1: Natasha movie. The Boris and Natasha.
0: Yeah, the one that's oh god, who who started it? Oh yeah, Sally Kellerman and Dave Thomas.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah from SCTV. Manchester Steel here. You know, I was close friends with Boris and Natasha. Boris hates my guts now because I slept with Natasha. Damn fine woman.
0: <laughs> you lying son of a bitch.
1: Nope. It's all I call true. bullshit on you. It's in my bag. Oh yeah, really? Totally true tales. Was
0: it? That... Oh, really? Was there a tape? Is there a tape? Is there any evidence? I mean, come on, every star has one. I accidentally
1: Jeez. ate the tape. <laughs> I was very hungry. I was in the middle of eating the moon and uh, I forgot that uh cassette tape that I had the uh, sex on uh I ate it. Yep, that's it.
0: You had sex like on top of the tape? Like were you were were you on top or was it on top? Did I, you guys I recorded shift positions? It the whole
1: smutty thing and i had it in my put back put your penis pocket. into an
0: actual tape
1: well i leaped from earth to the moon and then i started How that sunshine, possible and uh, the tape fell out of my back pocket and it just happened to be eaten with the moon
0: right and i'm married to lady gaga
1: really i saw with lady <laughs> gaga once fantastic woman likes to wear lots of meat. very strange but you gotta have a meal while you're getting it on Alright, get, Wait, on, oh, get, get out of here, Manchester, that's ridiculous, get out of here, it doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, no, you better get him out of here, I'll punch <laughs> him in the face next time he comes around here. Uh, He'll the, cut out his
1: Yeah, the uh, Boris <laughs> and Natasha movie is actually really entertaining, and the uh, sad part is, I believe it was released really straight to video, it sat on the shelf for a long time. Uh, this was at the tail end of like the whole comic strip popularity <laughs> that kicked off with Superman and Popeye and uh, Flash Gordon. And by the late 80s, -hmm. a lot of those were just, like, cast aside. The Brenda Steele movie, uh, Spirit was a TV movie, uh, Boris and Natasha, and no one had any interest. So they all went straight to video or barely released. And then all of a sudden, Batman comes out, and all of a sudden, the renewed interest, Dick Tracy comes out, Rocketeers, Shadow. Ninja Turtles? Yeah, well, Ninja Turtles is actually straight-up comic book. I was talking, like, uh, retro-style comic strip stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, no, Teenage Ninja Turtles was an animated series.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking like the old style, like Annie, you know, that kind of stuff, the stuff you would get oh, in the newspaper, yeah. um, and it also be set in the past. A lot of that stuff, yeah. it, it was starting to get nostalgic for the 40s and 30s.
0: Right, you know, uh, okay, when it came to Boris and Natasha, it was like a $1 million budget, and it only made about 294000
1: Yeah, it was uh, definitely like, oh, we don't know what to do with this, we just throw, throw it out, All right, we'll just put it out in the theaters for a week, and then uh, straight to video. The but it is infinitely better than the two thousand movie. That one is epic in its disaster. It just uh, the animation's fine, but it's the story, the the jokes, the actors who are playing Boris and Natasha, and uh, number one, I think it's the oh. character Number one is just yeah, a, Robert De Niro. Yeah, it's so boring. And I think it costs like a hundred million dollars. I know and they made like twelve. Wow. Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit, but it uh, I mean,
0: I'm a pretty sure year. these are like. I'm pretty sure they all grew up uh, watching these as well, so I'm pretty sure it was just a kind of a personal thing for them to do it. Yeah, but it's like, come on.
1: Oh, uh, I was off. It it cost seventy six million and it made thirty five million. I'm sure it made a great deal on video. This is when DVD was a new thing and everybody was buying DVDs like crazy.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I just remember. Uh, oh god. This. Uh, just, I mean, it was just. A, okay. It was kind of funny how like uh, I think it was Janine Garofalo. She's like the head of the. Uh, I think it was the act that was the actress who played her. She was like head of the executive like, you know, studios looking through all these scripts going no, no, no. That's pretty much, I'm pretty sure that's what happened with the Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. That's how they ended up making it because they're going through old scripts like, "Oh, hey, let's bring this back."
1: Yeah, it uh <laughs> the Kenneth Larnigan, I'm pretty sure that he wrote. Um yeah, he wrote You Can Count on Me Gangs in New York. He's a really good writer. Just uh somehow it just didn't work with this movie. Uh Rocky and Bullwinkle. I'm trying to think of the other ones that were included. Of course, there's Dudley Do Right, which uh, became a movie, which I actually really enjoy, which and it was also a, a massive flop. Which is a sadly. Yeah, I mean, I I, th- yeah, it's awesome. I, th- I
0: know, and it was funny because they cast Brendan Fraser in it as a star, and he was already George of the Jungle.
1: Right, and it cost seventy million dollars. It made nine nine million dollars. That's pathetic. Dudley Do Right. Yeah, it that is. Got, it's sad. Uh, got released over Labor Day weekend, and uh, oh no, the week before Labor Day weekend, which is notorious for being the worst of the summer. And I just thought that this would be huge. I mean, literally, it's two years after George of the Jungle, and you think people would show up for it, but nope, critics hated it, and audiences didn't give a crap. And I don't understand why, because I watch it today, and it's still really funny.
0: I know, and didn't uh, Alfred Molina play the villain?
1: Yeah, he gets nightly whiplash. Perfect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right
1: no, okay george that, of the jungle i, really... I
0: think <laughs> uh, i'd have to say george of the jungle i think was the one that i think was the best of those movies
1: i'm okay with it I, mean, I saw that in the theaters and i wasn't too excited
0: oh i did i mean i loved the car i i i'm an for the cartoon as a kid and all of a sudden you know they get the same they get the same narrator too the one who did the uh, animated series in the Dudley do right movie and John Cleese, as the voice of Ape, was, you know, very spot-on and perfect.
1: Oh, right. That was, I mean, if uh, any, if John Cleese is great in that. Um, I thought the animatronic work on it was fantastic. Disney didn't spend a lot of money on it. They only spent $17 million. This is before Disney decided that every movie they make must cost $150 million. They used to make small-budget movies, and they got really creative with special effects. And, uh, you know... Um, They would get character actors or guys who were kind of under the radar to show up instead of going, well, let's just pay uh, whoever's on the A-list. Give them $25 million and let's just spend, spend, spend. And they look at the international box office and go, oh, crap. Um, What next?
0: Yeah, they don't need to spend that much money. And as far as it goes, when it comes to like animatronics or like build, like, you know, actual creature effects, studios just don't like it. They don't think it'll work. They want complete... Computer-generated imagery.
1: Yeah, I don't uh, understand because I want why it to be more like,
0: splashy.
1: I like hand-drawn animation, and TV seems to be owning that that um, that style. But now everything in the film has to be CGI, and nothing else. Kids will not accept it. Yes, they will. Yeah, you just have to give it to them. It's usually the stuff that's exactly. usually hand-drawn in the theaters is of lower quality. Like the script is just isn't as good. So it's not this style; it's the story.
0: I know. Well, what can you say? Uh, studio execs are all just, you know, trust fund money grubbing morons. Yeah. The uh, the, and just, like, the... Uh, just like. Go ahead. Just like, oh god, I hate him so much. I mean, he's a uh, he's the owner of my uh, the San Francisco Forty ers franchise.
1: Uh, Manchester Steel. I think he owns that. I think he owns everything. I believe everything he says.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. If you... Well, then I'm sorry. He's just, I'm, I'm sorry, Michael, but you're just as dumb as a, if you believe everything he says, then you're just as gullible and dumb as a Kim Davis supporter.
1: He also, <laughs> I also own the galaxy. <laughs> Milky Way my.
0: Oh, really? Where the hell are the aliens? I haven't seen any aliens pop up. Shouldn't we have visitors coming in talking about business deals? No, we don't. I haven't seen one fucking alien, you little liar.
1: Liar! I, That's um, it. they're on vacation right now.
0: Oh, really? <laughs> For like, uh, so they're... Vacation lasts for hundreds of years? Do they even live that long? Tell us the truth, damn it.
1: You know, whenever you do political stuff, I have to, uh, I almost have to cut it out because it dates the show. I, I re air these things like every six months, and a year from now, people are like, What the? He is so behind the times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's all good. Never mind. Oh, uh,
1: York, okay, so
0: that's the guy's name.
1: The other stuff in it, uh, Fractured Fairy Tales, which, of course, would be like twisted, demented versions of the classic stuff like Rapunzel. I always enjoyed those. The ones I didn't really get were Aesop and Son. They're like morality tales, and uh, it just didn't work for me. Uh, Mr. Know-It-All, which is fun. Uh, basically, Bullwinkle sits there and tries to explain something that he apparently has no idea about.
0: Of course not, he's Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle never gets it. Less
1: of food. There is a Bullwinkle amusement park up here in Oregon. And here's the weirdest thing. Uh, it's called Bullwinkles. You go in. It has Bullwinkle on the sign. It has it on the entrance. You go in. Nothing. No merchandise. No games. But then you go into a different room and they have one of those Chuck E. Cheese kind of shows where Rocky and Bullwinkle talk to each other and they move all jittery and weird. And that's it. And I was like, why don't you guys have any merchandise? Like, I go, well, we own the name, but the restaurant is owned by someone else. And I was like, that, what? That makes no sense. How do you license the name for an amusement park, but the restaurant in the amusement park has nothing to do with Bullwinkle? How do you not have any t-shirts or hats or toys? And she's like, I don't know. That's uh, pathetic.
0: You don't know? You simply just don't know?
1: Well, I assume most people at fast food places don't know because they're like 12.
0: Yeah, I know. But you'd be surprised. Even the people who are working at fast food places are all adults now.
1: Yeah, because nobody has any money now. You know what's funny is General McBragg. do you remember Commander McBragg? He's actually really close to Manchester Steel and the fact that he was a character that just made shit up all the time. Do you know this character at all? Which character? General McBragg.
0: Hmm... No, I can't remember. You'd have uh, to refresh. He
1: was actually part of the Tennessee Tuxedo Show, but for some reason, for a short period of time, they would interlace um, his stuff into the Rocky and Bullwinkle. I never knew that, and maybe that's why. Hmm, maybe that's why I'm confused on who owns what. But uh, I guess maybe they were owned by the same company for a while. I don't know. You, you, you would have been old enough to remember that in order for it to be like significant. So I, I should probably stop talking about it. <laughs>
0: you silly man anyway oh gosh but yeah no um i completely forgot what i was gonna say i think there was actually like a little museum attributed to him uh i think it was run by his wife really yeah and i think it was run by his wife and uh yeah i remember kevin smith actually posting a throwback thursday photo and uh talking about it and of course when he went there uh with his uh daughter harley i think she was like 10 and it turns out the place was gone
1: no kidding that sucks what would, i know what's happened to all the stuff
0: ah uh, who knows probably in some collector's basement or some storage warehouse yeah. From what i remember yeah I also Go ahead. yeah no uh the animation for uh captain crunch and the creation of Captain crunch was from jay ward they even did the uh cartoons uh, not uh, commercials for that
1: yeah I at thought first that the animation style was similar
0: Yeah, no, he does. Captain Crunch looks like he would belong in the world of Rocky and (laughs) Bullwinkle. He just comes out of nowhere, crashing his ship on everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, And he from rum. Wasn't there another one that he designed?
0: Ah, woof, I cannot remember for the life of me. I'm sorry, laddie.
1: The, The Deadly Do right Emporium is what you were discussing, where souvenirs were sold out of it. And, um... It was on Sunset Boulevard. It closed, actually, over a decade ago. So I wonder how long it was when Kevin Smith went to see it and then when he took his kids. That's a big difference. Oh, yeah. Where did you find the uh, Captain Crunch thing? I don't see that. Oh, I see. It's at the very top. He also created the Quisp and Quake, which nobody remembers. I I think those have been out of business forever and ever and ever.
0: Yeah, I don't think I remember those either.
1: The other two cartoons that he was... Uh, I guess three cartoons, but one of them so bad, I barely even acknowledge it. Hoppity uh, Hooper is awful. It has no real style. It's very, very low budget. It's boring as hell. And I prefer not to acknowledge it. Uh, Super Chicken. It lasted for a very short period of time. It was part of the George of the Jungle series. It's, it's pretty amusing, um, of course. Uh, all of these cartoons had some sort of involvement by Paul Frees, who I, I think is one of the greatest voice animators of all time he would do commercials songs movies but uh for me mostly he was known for animation and excuse me he did a cartoon with chuck jones called the bear who wasn't a bear and uh it's probably my favorite cartoon of all time and his voice is so rich but he would always open up the cartoons that jay ward would do with his narration and uh he has a very deep soulful voice he um I'm trying to think what other cartoons he was really known for, besides the Jay Ward ones. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, he did a lot of the Rankin and Bass cartoons. Uh, you know, the like the Frosty and Snowman, stuff like that. And Rudolph, he would do voice works for those that company. Oh, wow. Oh, and uh, in Knight Rider, he was notorious for being the voice of Carr, the evil version of Kit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, God.
1: And uh, I wonder, I wonder I, I've never seen that episode. I wonder what Carr looked like. Was he uh, the exact opposite, like Bizarro? Was he a Bizarro kit? Like he just was all beat up and mangled and talked all weird? Or, or or, is he like Reverse Flash, where instead of a red highlight and black paint, was he red paint and a black highlight?
0: I gotta check that out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll have to.
1: And the last one that he created oh, was uh, Tom Slick. Now I really enjoy Tom Slick. It's not a huge budget like usual, but the opening is one of the greatest openings ever. His animation is on just unbelievable. It's uh, it's on target the whole way, and uh, the stories are really weird and exciting. And that's one you really need to find because it's not exactly well known. It's kind of disappeared over the years.
2: <laughs> okay. Oh, oh man. There
1: must Say that again? Be, there, there has to be a delay between you and I. Because there's this thing where I'll say something, and then you're just like, uh-huh. like that, "There's a long pause, a laugh." Either that,
0: or it's distracted by something. <laughs> Shiny object.
1: <laughs> all right, so stop. you think- at
0: me. Okay, I'm not that distracted. Jesus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the J. Uh, Ward Company. All of their properties are now owned by DreamWorks, and now that DreamWorks is in serious turmoil, I have no idea what's going to happen with the rest of their properties. They talked about doing another Rocky and Bullwinkle movie. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, the Simon and Peabody movie did okay. But I think right now, in order to save DreamWorks, they signed this huge deal with Netflix, and they're doing series for them. Oh, okay. Uh, besides yeah, Captain I know Crunch, because... uh, besides Captain Crunch, the other characters that they would work on or create, uh, Tricks, Cocoa Pops, Lucky Charms, I don't know what the hell Hearts are, but that sounds disgusting. Uh, no,
0: it doesn't. I mean, did they... Yeah. How do you think that process goes? It's like they tie them down, and just like butcher them right then and there, and then oh, just it's just like Temple
1: of Doom. They have a guy come out and just Aah! rip it out and.
0: Mortorom, Mortorom, rum Oh God, that movie was so racist. Anyway, <laughs> the uh, Captain
1: Crunch quiz, Monster Munch, which I've never heard of, but I would I would eat a stir a cereal called Monster Munch. That sounds good. Captain Vitamin,
0: the Munch.
1: And uh, the rest of these I've never really heard of. I don't know what crackles is. Pronto, halfsies, Halfsies, halfies—that's a stupid name for a cereal. High lows, which I've been high and I've been low on a really good night.
0: Oh yeah, no, we've all been there. Yeah, especially you know, you have yourself a nice, good plant, and then you roll that up and smoke it. You get really, really high, and then you start crashing. You start getting tired, but then you realize, oh shoot, someone put cocaine in this. Now I'm. Hi, again. Oh, didn't mean to do that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, sorry. My Um, old party days. I still partied, though. shit.
1: I think that we're done with this episode. This is kind of a mini-sode. I thought we'd go for like an hour, but we've been changing our format and uh, just kind of winging it, just kind of having a conversation. I felt like I I started listening to some of the old cartoons. I have a very, very hard time listening to myself. And I went and grabbed some of the old cartoons just to test the quality to see if they're still good. And I was like, wow, this is so stiff. Like, you would sit there and watch the cartoon and comment while I was sitting there running around trying to find facts. And uh, it just felt like um, I was a talking Wikipedia. And it was really boring. So we're trying to change the format, make it a little more relaxed. Uh, This episode might have been a little too relaxed. Because i got to say, the first five minutes of this, I was scrambling just to figure out what the hell I was doing. So I apologize for that.
0: You just woke up. It's okay, man. And then you just had a bit a spot of breakfast. Yeah, I got to get some breakfast. breakfast. And uh, yeah, and I got to get some. I mean, I haven't eaten yet. I just, yeah, I just I cleansed. Can't,
1: I can't believe how early you wake up, man. That's ridiculous. I thought you were a late sleeper, man. I, I we usually do these episodes at night. Now I'm just like, oh.
0: I used to be as a child, but you know, you know, with the whole like work mentality. Oh, I gotta get up early. Oh, blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, I'm a day sleeper. Like I'm a day sleeper. I'm a day sleeper. I know you
0: are. I'm also, I'm also very nocturnal, which is very weird. I thought I was a vampire, but I'm not. Hmm.
1: Yep. All right, everybody. Um. So this is an awkward way to end the episode. It's <laughs> so different than the way we usually do them. Uh, I guess oh. that is it for us. Um. I think next week I have uh, my friend Tony coming on. We're going to do another mini-sode. And it's going to be Centurions, which if anybody remembers that, I'd be really surprised. But it's kind of a cult thing. So hopefully you guys dig it. Can you dig it?
0: Can you dig it?
1: alright everybody this is Michael signing off be excellent to each other
0: namaste and good luck
1: everybody to back in tunes i'm your host michael my co-host as always
0: it's jacob and we are set oh wait no sorry we're <laughs> not sex with mom this is not scott pilgrim but that music that intro that made me feel like we were
1: can i tell you Damn that I, that's the third time that we've played this on the podcast that track i love it i could not tell you who who does it i, I need a sound hound that because i uh, i picked it up off a cd called do it yourself it's from rhino and uh, it was okay. all about the uh, late '70s, early '80s British independent rock scene. Uh, they were tired of dealing with the mm-hmm. labels; they were like watering down music. And oh, they are. Yeah, basically, they said, "You know what? Well, why don't we just go out and produce our own stuff, put it together?" And that's why it has that raw sound. And uh, I think really the only big band, the big artist that came out of that was Nick Lowe. Now, not a lot of people know who he is now, but at the time, he was really successful. Right. Cruel Honestly, we be must find them. Right Do you know that song?
0: No, but it yeah. does sound catchy. We must find them and kill them because that music was so great. It should not be allowed in this world. <laughs> it deserves to be somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> we must save it. We must save him.
1: <laughs> All, right, All right. right. This episode, we're going to be discussing the Simpsons and Futurama. Why we've held off from <laughs> discussing this, I have no idea. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, of all the cartoons to discuss, especially the longest-running cartoon of all time, The Simpsons.
1: Yeah. Um, why have? Well, it's because I thought it was going to be the 25th anniversary, and I just realized we screwed it up, and it was last year. And now I have no idea what Um But so we're just going to screw it. We're just going to discuss it anyway. I didn't realize that the Christmas special was counted as the official launch of the series. I didn't think it started no. until early January of 1990. Therefore, the 25th anniversary would have worked.
0: Ah, but it didn't. Did it? No. That's not how this works. That's how this never
1: works. (laughs) All right, everybody. Here goes the theme for Simpsons. sick of that it, it does anybody no. get sick of listening to anything by danny elfman
0: no never i can never get listened to, listen to that. i even have the whole batman soundtrack oh my of god that, yeah.
1: i had uh music from a Darkened theater i think is the name of the cd he had a boingo of... boingo no no uh, music from a Darkened theater is the one that he did around uh, i want to say 1991 where it collected up a bunch of the themes from his movies and tv shows and uh, oh. it's sold like crazy. It's really, it's really easy to get. It's the second one that's really hard to find. And it's very expensive because it was a two-CD set. and collected everything from 1991 to, I believe, 1998. And it's excellent. But that first one, it has The Simpsons. It has Batman, Dick Tracy, Darkman, Wee's oh. Big Adventure. But then it has oddball stuff. Like, he did the theme music to... Uh, Wisdom and Back to School, Midnight Run. I never get sick of Danny Elfman. Everybody says that his songs kind of sound the same, but I couldn't give a shit less. The Ramones, all their songs sound the same, and I'm completely fine with that.
0: I love the Ramones. And Danny Elfman, that's right. He wasn't back to school. He even played at the uh, party that Rodney Dangerfield threw.
1: That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, He had a cameo about that. Now, the very beginning of Simpsons, um, I was actually there watching the Tracy Allman show. Uh, 1987, Fox decided—actually, uh, it was delayed by a year—decided uh, that they wanted to take some of the shows they were selling to the networks or selling into syndication and create their own network. The initial shows were Werewolf, Tracy Allman's show, Married with Children, and I believe uh, Gary Shanling—it's Gary Shanling's show, and 21 Jump Street. Did I say 21 Jump Street? I think I flipped these words. Yeah. Yeah, so— You those, did say 21. Yeah, so let me try again. Uh, Werewolf, Simpsons, was part of Tracy Allman's uh married to children 21 jump street gary shanley show there we go and then on saturdays they had beans baxter mr president and a bunch of other shit that nobody watched but it was that uh <laughs> we were there because it seemed like a fresh idea they kind of premiered it when all the other shows were in reruns and you know it seemed like something interesting and new we were big syndicated guys anyway we watched like the shows that were on like saturday and sundays um uh, out of This World, do you know any of these shows Out of This World where she would touch her fingers together and she would stop time? Or My Secret Identity where Jerry O'Connell got superpowers?
0: That's right, okay, now Out of This World I remember uh, she had this like crystal orb that was like her father Yeah, you know embodied. who voices
1: her father? Burt Reynolds That's <laughs> did <out of> here <laughs> I, I, didn't
0: know, I didn't know it for I years remember, I remember one episode what she would do, like her mom got stuck in the crystal and her dad was like out and about in this glowing white form of light yeah, like a rainbowed version of Dr. Manhattan.
1: They couldn't, get, they couldn't afford uh, Burrell's to actually show up. Uh, sorry, <laughs> off the <laughs> point. Uh, so, uh, Tracy on show, I believe it's from the very beginning, they started doing these little tiny shorts. Like, just minute long, two minute long, and uh, they were crude. They were very um, not crude like vulgar, but I mean just crude in its animation style. Budget was very low. Yeah. But something about them caught on. I remember thinking, this is the most hideous animation I've ever seen in my life, but The characters are quite amusing. And as the (laughs) second season came in, the animation quality went up quite a bit. But if you look at The Simpsons now compared to they were then, it's, oh, so, so different.
0: Oh, I know. I could not even tell the difference. I mean, Homer, his mouth is, like, rounded and pushed back in rather than being that beak.
1: Yeah, it was the bug eyes, um, and uh, the colors weren't very rich. Uh, The animation was almost in the style of squiggle vision, and the teeth were weird. The teeth were very weird.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, I remember looking at the old photos and the old animation. I'm like, oh, God. What is this abomination? I love it! <laughs> now,
1: did you ever read uh, Matt Graney's... Is it Groening or Graney? I think it's Graney, isn't Groening. it? Oh, okay. Uh, did potato. you ever read his comic strip, Life is Hell?
0: No, but I am interested. It sounds funny. It's, I'm pretty sure it's something I it can really connect with.
1: It's very strange, um, but I remember... Uh, very early 1989, I was in sixth grade and someone brought a book into school and we, I was just so captivated by it because it was so strange, and it was mildly vulgar. So that I'd always amuses a 12 year old. And, uh, I didn't connect for a while that it was the same guy until I read an article about the Simpsons premiere and said, Oh, Matt Groening, uh, Groening. Oh, I'm never going to say right Groening of, uh, uh, life is hell fame has created a new cartoon. And I'm like, what? And I was like, I knew this cartoon. And then, uh, the Christmas special came on. And everybody just went crazy for it. And Woo! Uh, how old were you? Were you born yet when this premiered? What year? It, it was December 1989. Oh, I was only a year old. Okay, so the uh, if you were not there at the time, you don't understand the hysteria, the madness, the crazy obsession that this nation had for The Simpsons. It was everywhere. Every single store, including Macy's, would have Simpsons t-shirts. You would find bootleg t-shirts everywhere. In fact, I owned a bootleg Simpsons shirt. It was Air Bart. And he was doing like a Michael Jordan parody. Oh, wow. And then at JCPenney's, I picked up one. I picked up a shirt that was way, way, way too big for me because it was the last one and I desperately wanted it. And all it was was Bart Simpson with a toothbrush and a spider was on top of it. And he goes, ew, gross, man. And everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. Everybody at school and the teachers were like, that's a really cool shirt. That's how insane we were about The Simpsons. We wanted everything that had them in it. Eat my shirts. Oh, God. Now everybody yeah, exactly. went crazy for that line. Well, also, right now, if you hear in the background, uh, Do the Bartman is playing. And that was Oh, awesome. he had his
0: own dance. Oh, God, oh my the God.
1: Bartman. That CD was huge. <laughs> you know, there was he
0: cars. had his own CD. Like what what, were, what was on the CD? Like, was it a bunch of songs or, um,
1: like, you know... Just... I, I, most people only remember the Man, but I believe there was another one that was successful. It was, like, a dance song. Like, the whole family sang it together. But um, I think it was just all songs. And then they mixed in, I think, some prank calls. It's been a very, very long time since I heard any of it. But... Um, Got it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. But um, Bart Simpson was obviously the focus... At the very beginning, of course, over the years, it started to move over to Homer. And I think the problem with the show is now it's too obsessed with Homer. There are so many people in this family, and they never really seem to do stories based on them. Like, Maggie does get a story every once in a while. You know, of course, Marge gets stories. But I really wish they would just expand beyond just Homer and Bart.
0: Yeah, no. Maggie still hasn't spoken a word. I mean, you'd have someone else, like, guest star in voiceover for her, like in Tree House of Horror... James Earl Jones, <laughs> James Earl Jones, uh, freaking voices over for her when, you know, freaking groundskeeper Willie comes in. He's like, I'm going to save you. I'm going to save you, but you have to follow me. And then he gets an ax in his back and it's Maggie. Takes out <laughs> the pacifier and says, this is indeed of the most disturbing universe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, geez, uh, that's the only time she's spoken.
1: I, no, 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 there was one at the time, I believe in the very beginning. Um, of course she never really said anything. She just like, you know, made a sucking sounds. Classifier sounds. But um, I believe it was a big celebrity coup that they got Elizabeth Taylor to voice Maggie. And I think she says one word, like, Papa. And that was it. <laughs> That's like, it. Yeah, it was all <laughs> the promotions. We like, oh, got oh, Elizabeth Taylor. And, and all she says is, like, Papa. Or something like that. It's been so long since I've seen <laughs> it.
0: Oh, God. I remember um, when they had a dream about the future. And I think uh, Lisa was getting married. And then Maggie was about to speak, and then the husband cuts her off and straight up, like, because the wedding's over.
1: Yeah, is this the episode like, where Bart's, like, all broken down and uh, Maggie marries um, Millhouse?
0: Uh, no, I don't think Maggie marries Millhouse. Lisa's getting married to someone. Oh. I mean, oh, yeah, she... I'm
1: sorry. Lisa was married to Millhouse. Or was going to marry Millhouse. I remember this episode. This was good
0: Yeah, I think that was it, yeah. And <laughs> as soon as she was about to speak at the wedding, all of a sudden it just goes, ah, uh, and then she's cut off. She, she's, like, never allowed <laughs> to speak.
1: Ever. The, uh, oh, God. Yeah, the show in the very beginning, like I was saying, was very heavily focused on Bard, but they were very smart in knowing that the show would probably burn itself out if it only focused on the family. So they started expanding upon the characters. You know, you got your main characters, and you got the B and C characters. Um, I think Mo right. is my favorite B character. Um, there's something very dark and twisted and sad about his character that I just love.
0: <laughs> oh, God. I love... I mean, uh, that episode of, um, of Treehouse before, when in the shinning episode, <laughs> even though he had, like, the most brief thing, I thought it was, like, one of the funniest moments. He's the a... bartender that comes and tells him to kill his family. Yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't, give him a oh, beer. yeah, I
1: saw that one, yeah. Uh, there's one, I believe, where his bar gets shut down because uh, the fads in and, and bars change, and even Homer starts going to another one. He ends up, like, mm-hmm. he has no friends, no job and everything, and he ends up staying at the Simpsons. And uh, God, you realize there are like 600 episodes of this show. Sometimes the shows meld into each other. So I apologize if I can't uh, remember the plots correctly. I think it's I think it's difficult because I don't see it in reruns anymore. I didn't have TV, like normal TV, for like five years. I was just right. watching everything like either by borrowing it or renting it or streaming it. And uh, oh, okay. I turned on the TV the other day and all it is now is King of Queens. Everybody loves Raymond and uh two and a half men and i'm like you guys realize you have like 20 years plus worth of reruns you can put on the air of simpsons i want to see some simpsons
0: oh exactly oh god yes there's like way too much i think they do play simpsons episodes often uh quite frequently now they did just announce it on fx
1: i wish so yeah you'll be
0: seeing it like almost every weeknight except thursday
1: oh god i wish i had fx i have normal television that i have like six cable stations like comedy central tnt tvs uh cartoon network and uh amc that's it the, oh, the place where i live it gives you free cable so i'm not gonna bitch and complain but i'm like seriously you got like 13 stations <laughs>
0: right i do want to say i think uh one of the most biggest episodes of simpsons was who was the one that shot uh yeah. you know mr Byrne.
1: That was, that was a uh, huge mystery it was it was a very big show and i remember we watched it, it was my freshman year of college and everybody was just like eagerly awaiting and then when you find out it was maggie right <laughs> yep was, it Maggie
0: by she was yeah I know but it's like how did that happen
1: how...
0: <laughs> Oof, let Maggie out oh my god like that just shows how irresponsible Marsh and Homer are you let your infant wander in the wild and you can't find her
1: yeah a lot of people say that was the pinnacle of the show and after that it just kind of started to go downhill and I think if you go forward about four or five more seasons I say season 10 is its pinnacle and uh, I was and also I have to say this as much as I love The Simpsons, I wish it would go away, because the last five seasons have been brutal. I rarely laugh. The animation's fine, the stories are fine, it's the jokes, they just don't work anymore.
0: Right. I understand. It, it is. It, it's, just, they're, it's like they're not even trying to stay on the air, that they, they don't even need to, because it's that much of a phenomenon.
1: I really thought 25 seasons, they would wrap it up, or maybe after the movie, they would wrap it up. I will say this, um... The movie is fantastic. It is quite possibly the best thing that, and not because of budgetary reasons, it is the best thing that they have ever done in that world. And that is a point where I think the show started to go bad because you hit such a great hype. That movie was massive. And not just financially, but I mean in in its scope and story. And uh, they just, it just, the show didn't carry on very long after that. It just started to get really weak.
0: Yeah. And as far as the movie goes, honestly, if it was any other kind of movie, it was if it, like if it wasn't The Simpsons, it would have been a bomb. I think The Simpsons name is what really did it. Uh, <laughs> I will admit that one scene where they're looking through the binoculars, you know, because they find out that The Simpsons got away.
1: Yeah.
0: And oh god, who was the one that had the whole bubble project go on? I keep um, forgetting his name. He played uh. Well,
1: Alan Brooks. Rex,
0: or um. Alan Brooks, yeah. Is that
1: right, Alan Brooks? That yeah, the, right? the one
0: who played Rex Kramer in Airplane
1: this isn't right uh shit i can't remember
0: well i just i love the part when he just like throws the binoculars at the ball at the uh big old uh bubble and it bounces off and hits him in the face <laughs> simple little gags like that'll make me laugh or like when bart's like skating through town like you know naked like everything it's all like every scene or everything he's going through is like covering up his junk <laughs> and then there's that one edge oh right right right
1: entirely. um <laughs> Uh, yeah so for me i think the movie is actually albert brooks i said alan albert albert that's an idiotic mistake because i love his work and he shows up all the time in different voices have you noticed this
0: albert brooks uh will yeah, no. play different it, characters on
1: a regular basis like he'll just pop up every few seasons he has been in seven episodes and the movie and every single time except for uh when he played hank scorpio he did that twice but for the most part he will play a different character
0: Yeah, there was a lot of cameos in that movie. Tom Hanks had that cameo. If you ever see me in real life, please, leave me be.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know why I said that name wrong. That's ridiculous. Uh, If you don't know who Albert Brooks is, watch Drive. He's normally a very funny comedian, um, but he does a twisted turn in Drive that has completely changed my view of him. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I was like, whoa. Yeah, I know. He's in Weeds. He does the the father on uh, the Finding Nemo movie, and I guess there's going to be a sequel, Finding Dory. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, oh,
0: yeah, and he was also in uh, This Is 40. He played uh, Paul Rudd's dad.
1: Yeah, that's the most miserable, depressing movie I think I've ever seen. Uh, but my favorite of his is Mother. Uh, he directs and writes his own movies. He hasn't done one in a while, but uh, Mother and uh, The Muse are quite entertaining. Defending Your Life, uh, Lost in America. He's really good, but I think he's kind of focusing now on uh, just doing voice work and um, you know supporting roles.
0: Having fun, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was the guy who did the uh, who played Rex Kramer in Airplane. I keep forgetting that actor's name. I thought that guy was the villain in uh, The Simpsons.
1: Not. Rex Kramer? Why, why do I know that from? I know Rex Kramer from Kentucky Fried Movie. Rex Kramer, uh, Danger
0: Seeker. Somebody get me Rex Kramer. Airplane.
1: Oh my god, I'm gonna have to look that up. Who played Rex Kramer? I'll just do a commercial filler while I look that up. Hey everybody! Check out the hottest new sandwich place in town, and get some old school beer. It's called Fud Bugglers. Put your meat in our buns and our lips on our jugs.
0: Loaded with extra secret
1: sauce. <laughs> <Bud> fugglers <laughs> Watch someone's gonna be messy but over. good. Hey, I'm looking this up on MapQuest. There's no Bud fugglers anywhere where I live. That's because it's a. That's because it's all a fucking uh, lie. Robert Stack. Robert Stack. Robert Stack was dead by the time this that movie came out.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. It was Robert 2003. Stack. He saw well, Albert Brooks sounded like Robert Stack.
1: That kind of Hey, can I tell you something funny about Robert Stack real quick? You know his uh, his show? I didn't wait for an answer. I'm so I'm so needy. Uh Unsolved Mysteries. Did you ever watch that show? Yes. Okay, so Unsolved My God, Mysteries, yes. the second episode. Uh no, no. It was a season finale of his final season um, after he left uh, a couple of people took over like Virginia Madison. And uh, so the very final episode, I believe it was of 1998 and it was all about my college and uh, the murder of one of our students. No shit. Oh shit. Yeah. One of the girls that worked on the newspaper, she was murdered and no one ever found out who it was. And the whole episode was about that. And guess what? They still don't know who it was. So that's pretty creepy.
0: That is either that or they just didn't care that bastard
1: i don't know but a year later another one of our friends uh was killed in the same exact method so i don't i'm pretty sure it's the same guy since they didn't find him but who has the gall to do that in a town that small like twice and still get away with it
0: Mm, i don't know all right hopefully they're running in hell sorry if it exists do we even believe in hell what's that I said, hopefully they're rotting in hell. Do we even believe in hell?
1: I don't know. It's, I think uh, it's of your own making. Whatever you believe is the worst thing on the planet is your hell. Your own personal hell.
0: Oh, then we're already living in it.
1: Yeah, I mean. <laughs> All right, Simpsons, it's on its 26th season. Uh, I don't know if it's going to go anymore. I feel like every season for the last couple that they're like, oh, we're going to wrap it up this year. Oh, we got budgetary problems. Oh, we got casting issues. I mean, uh, Harry Shearer was actually fired. Or, no, wait, did he quit? That's right, he, he
0: left. Quit or did he Harry, Harry Shearer left.
1: Yeah, and I was yeah, like, that's do- insane because he does so many voices. Are they just gonna, not going to do the voices, or are they going to have someone else step in and do it like the way they did with um, uh, Ren Stimpy?
0: Well oh, you're right, yes. Oh, yeah, but a lot of people got, like, you know, a huge, like, you know, that really boosted their career. I mean, Hank Azaria, like, he was the voice of... Uh, uh, was he the voice of Mo? I know he's the voice of the police yeah. officer.
1: Yeah. Um, Hank Azaria is the only one really to break out from this to star in other things. Besides doing voice work, that man must be like the hardest working person in Hollywood because he's constantly doing like 30 voices on the show. And then he'll always have a show going at the same time uh, where he's uh actually in it, like a live action show where it's like Herman's Head. He was yeah. on for five seasons. You know, he's in movies. For a while there, he was a hot... Uh, he was in Birdcage. Yeah, he was a hot deal for a while there. I remember, what's that, uh, Mystery Men? He was the spoon. Oh. For the blue Raja. Raja.
0: The blue Raja. The blue Raja. Chitty
1: MM. And of course, he's in the Smurfs movies and stuff like that. But he's always. Every couple of years, he does a TV show that nobody watches. And it's kind of a bummer. I really liked the one show he was in Huff. That was really good.
0: I liked it. Oh, was good. I liked him in the movie Eulogy. Uh, oh. He played uh, Zoe Deschanel's dad. Oh. He was, like, he was like. He was like smoking a joint alone in his room, just listening to music. And then he's like. <laughs> she knocks on his door. He's like kind of whiffing, getting rid of the smell by pointing this plant around, and he has the roach in his mouth. Yeah. And she's like, Dad, is that a joint? He, he drops it from his mouth. It goes into his shirt, and he just does this. He just is like, um. like, just, it, this, like really strained inhale. Because <laughs> it just dropped on his shirt, and he's like trying to get it, and he's shocked. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, he's like I said, he's very, he's so talented. I mean, especially when he's, um, in Birdcage in particular you know, showing his enthusiasm, showing his, you know, extravagance, pretty much he was influenced by his grandmother to play that character, to play Agador, And he even said, like, you know, I really going into this character and then doing that scene dressed up, I felt like I actually became my grandmother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I met Harry Shearer um, in 2005, 2005. Uh, we had a special event at our movie theater where he came to, it was like uh, sponsored by NPR. He he has a show on there and uh, our local NPR station decided to pay for him to come to the movie theater and do a premiere of Teddy Bear's Picnic, which was oh. kind of a, uh, you know, the movies that he's in, um, like Spinal Tap and uh, Mighty Wind, you know, all those Prest- movies. A lot of Christopher Guest films, right. yes. Right. But he decided to make his own movie that was in that vein, like that style, the improv style, and uh, it's awful. It's truly awful. And, um, when he came in, he came in after the movie was done and just did like his little talk with the audience and everything. You could hear him doing the voices. And, uh, I was stunned at how short he was. I mean, he's pocket size. I was very, then again,
0: surprised. you're kind of a tall
1: person. What's that? I am kind of tall. So that's yeah. kind of unfair, but he walked past <laughs> me real fast and I was like, whoa, hey, hey, what?
0: Harry. Hey, what's up, man?
1: No, I didn't say yeah, anything appearance. I was working. So that's, it was against protocol. <laughs>
0: Damn it. Screw that protocol. Break it. <laughs> How else do you get to
1: meet someone like Harry? Shearer? Uh okay. yeah, we he also well, had an got, appearance a lot in Wade World are coming World to the theater there. What?
0: He did have an appearance in Wade World too. He was the big old radio uh, disc jockey, the one that was trying to push Wayne Stock uh-huh. on the air.
1: Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> Just constantly pushing those cards in Uh-huh. Yes. And you're a massive tool. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh oh man yeah other than that i don't but see
1: I uh dan castanella and julie Kavner. they started on the tracy Ullman show uh nancy cartwright i have no idea where she came from before i don't know if she's only done voice work uh yerdley smith i remember specifically from maximum overdrive where she screamed the entire movie who desperately hurt to die the the character not the actress
0: of course yes <laughs> uh wait yerdley smith is that the voice of lisa yes Oh, uh, what was that movie she was in? Uh, I think the tagline of the main character was, Fair is fair.
1: Um, you know, I, like, I can think of Legend of Billie Jean. Is that it?
0: Could it be Legend of Billie Jean?
1: I can look up her IMDb because that actually... I'm does. looking it up right now. Uh, we have that movie somewhere around here. Um, it's excellent, excellent movie. Um, you should totally see it.
0: Oh, yeah, she was also in As Good As It Gets. She, is, uh, she was Greg Kinnear's uh, agent. And as soon as she sees him, like, all bruised and cut up, she just breaks down into tears. Yeah,
1: I don't remember that. Yes, she is in Legend of Billie Jean. That's a really good movie.
0: That is it. That's what I was, I was wondering what it was called. I mean, you know, you know it's a totally, it's definitely a feminist movie. It's great.
1: And it was at the time where they didn't really have those.
0: No, of course not. No, nowadays, good. The more the merrier. Yeah, she played of... Putter. That was her character's name.
1: Yeah, why were well, the Invincible?
0: Oh yeah, the Pat Benatar, by Pat Benatar song
1: that was on MTV all the time. The movie didn't do that well, but the theme song was around for uh, months, just constantly rotating on MTV. But, but then again, uh, if you look at MTV in the first few years, there were only so many videos because companies didn't have the production costs, you know, for music videos yet, and uh, you know they would just um, recycle old stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, old Helen Slater played Billy Jean. I'm
1: right, wondering right. and, why and she looks so familiar. And an in into Christian. That's one. Of the, I think it's the first movie.
0: Christian Slater, yeah. uh, Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry. After watching that episode of Family Guy with the, you know, the episode with Death, he's, uh, he like breaks his ankle and he's stuck in the Griffin house and he's like, imagine if Hitler was still alive. Uh, Hitler has his own talk show and he uh, Christian Slater, come on,
1: Family Guy. um, That is precisely, I think, the problem with Simpsons now is because Family Guy has changed the attitude, the tone of cartoons now. And they feel like they're repeating... I, I, I really feel like Simpsons is trying to replicate the formula of Family Guy instead of vice versa. And that's what's hurting the show is because there really isn't much of a plot on Family Guy. I know people are hardcore Family Guy fans. I am not one of them. The show actually just irritates me to no end.
0: I agree, but here's the thing. Even Seth MacFarlane, he clearly stated, like with season four, when that came around, he said, look, we're not trying to stay on the air. We're, I mean, we're just pretty much just having fun. We're at the point where... Everybody just still loves us, and we'll, that we can just do pretty much whatever, and they'll you know laugh at it. So
1: yeah, the only you know time are, I his movies, Seth, Seth MacFarlane's movies are great. I really enjoy them. Yeah, that's three foot effort. Yeah, it's the show that I'm just tired of. I'm tired. I don't. Whenever I see American Dad, I just reel back and like I gotta find something else immediately before my brain rots.
0: Yeah, no, in Cleveland. I think Cleveland's done. So he's back on Family Guy. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you could definitely see uh, he puts more effort into his movies that, and he has a little bit more uh, creative control. He can say and do like whatever. He doesn't. He's not limited to a like a, you know, PG thirteen audience, really. Yeah. <laughs> um. All of his movies have been great. I love Ted. I abso- I still love A Million Ways to Die in the West. Every my time it's that is a
1: really good movie.
0: Plus, especially with what it did for uh, you know Charlize Theron, her coming into comedy. She really ever 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 does comedy. And she's brilliant at it. it she's hysterical. She's you like know, one of the best ones on there.
1: You know what? Uh, why don't we just talk about The Family Guy? Let's get this Let's get this out of the way, because I don't really feel like doing an episode devoted to it later. But, oh. uh... But, what?
0: What? Uh, speaking of the whole Family Guy Simpsons thing, there was a uh, mashup episode where they joined and kind of, you know, battled it out.
1: But, yeah, there was that crossover episode. And I actually kind of enjoyed it, but I also felt like, um... Instead of Family Guy coming up to the Simpsons level, it was Simpsons going down to the Family Guy level. Uh, I do remember, yeah. though, here's a reason why I think Family Guy had so much appeal in the very beginning. is because it wasn't story-based. It was like this erratic ADD. It was like a precursor to what would happen a couple years later in Adult Swim. is that It was fast, it was frenetic. It was uh, um, all the references, all these weird, strange references that they would have. I remember in the second season where they had uh, a Monty Python and the Meaning of Life reference, where the guy comes up <laughs> and he goes, oh, fishy, 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 ooh. Whatever
0: oh, went, went, yeah. went uh, fish that went, whatever, I did go. <laughs> that, of course, that, that scene for Meaning of Life was definitely a tribute to Dr. Seuss. But at the same me.
1: time, and then, and then Family Guy did a reference to it. And it was that episode where I was like, holy crap, this is a show for me. I kind of like the first couple seasons. But uh, I think that aired at the very end of season two or early season three. And it was so unusual. Uh, Season four, actually. What's that?
0: I think it was season four, actually. Really? Oh, I didn't know Yeah, the beginning of season four, around there.
1: Okay, so I was wrong on that one. But uh, it's that style and tone. But when it came back, when it was revived, is when I think the energy was out of the show. For some reason, I think uh, by then Seth MacFarlane had just changed his focus. He wasn't uh, really interested in reviving uh, Family Guy, but you know how can you deny those numbers? So he does it, but I don't exactly. think the hearts there. And then he started focusing on other shows. But I never ever liked American Dad. I always thought it was just god awful shit.
0: Uh, I didn't think it was that funny. Either. I was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, he doesn't really have to put it in the effort because people already know who it is. People get a kick out of it. It's still getting plenty of ratings. It's still on TV. Yeah, uh, I know. It's, even I can't
1: believe how done. long it's been on. Uh, that's the weirdest thing is these shows, the, uh, these cartoons, are on for a very, very long time. And yet, um, before we start our third uh, cartoon, Futurama, let's just say this. Uh, in animation world, when I was a kid, if you lasted three seasons, that was a massive success. Transformers, three seasons. G.I. Joe, like two seasons. And um, But now it's like if you don't last five seasons, then you're, you're a flop. You're a big letdown.
0: Uh, I don't know. Well, there are some shows that I think should have flopped and should end, like Vampire Diaries.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah, it's different from uh, the animation world. Um, so, uh any the last thing you want to say about The Simpsons or Family Guy?
0: I really hope, like, they actually put some effort into, you know, making the show funny again. And for me, as far as, like, Family Guy goes, it also kind of reminds me of, like, The Critic. It was kind of a oh, – Critic the crit- did seem like a precursor to Family Guy. Plus, it, if you get John Lovitz to guest star as his critic character in Family Guy or Simpsons, I'll be happy.
1: Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think John Lovitz kind of burned his bridges a few years ago by being so difficult. Uh, the Critic is excellent. We should discuss that. I have a future episode uh, set up for The Critic and Dr. Katz, which I really wanted to oh. discuss this year. Um, the Simpsons, of course, I think they should wrap it up. I think it's time to focus on movies. Do a movie once every three years. Do not get yeah. to the point where nobody wants to see you. The ratings are really bad right now. And I think it's because it's just been on too long. Just, who needs the money? Who needs money from this? It, I don't think it's Matt Gronin's call. I think it's uh, Fox's call now. It's just a, well, it's a big merchandising yeah. thing for us. And keeping the show around. It sells games. It sells toys. And, uh, oh. Exactly. Plus, did you play the Nintendo Plus, sorry, game? Did you, did you play that one that you usually find in the arcade?
0: i I played the one that they, found they had in the arcade. I played it a lot. I also played uh, Bart's Nightmare and Virtual Bart.
1: Yo, oh, I played Bart versus the Space Monsters, I think.
0: I don't remember that one. I don't know
1: what voice he... I just pulled out there. I was like, I think I saw the, uh, the Bart versus the Alien thingies.
0: Oh no, relax, laddie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, all right, so before we get to Futurama, it is time for our entertainment news.
2: Okay,
0: one thing you did, um, I think you're going to be, I, I, this is one thing I think you're going to be proud about, the announcement of a Booster Gold and Blue Beetle movie in development.
1: Yeah, I'm so happy! Yes. Yeah! Dude, that's like our partnership oh
0: you're more Blue Beetle. I'm definitely more uh, Booster Gold, minus the whole capitalist aspect.
1: Yeah, you're more of a show-off. I'm more of the introverted. Uh, but you know what? We, we're Team Wahaha when it comes Perhaps. to Didn't we used to joke about this last year on the podcast that I was yeah. Blue Beetle and you're Booster Gold? It's kind of like our attitude with the show, except that both of us are
2: Right. Uh,
0: true. That's, yeah, you're absolutely right. Plus, <laughs> I, sometimes I end up getting stage fright. But then there are some techniques where I'm just like, okay, just think about how you laugh. Just go up there and have fun. Don't picture the audience naked, but that's weird. Except for that one guy.
1: You realize, <laughs> you realize that Booster Gold has that little robot called Skeets. You realize skeet. the word Skeet has now changed the whole concept. <laughs>
0: Skeets, to the skeet. window, to <laughs> the wall, to the slip drop down my balls, to all these bitches crawl. All skeet 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 skeet, skeet <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, someone's got to. Okay, there has to be a DC meme of that. I will find that eventually. It
1: has to be. You know what? (laughs) If I'm Blue Beetle, that means I'm going to get shot eventually, just trying to save the world, which sounds like it could actually happen considering the way my world has gone the last year. Oh, dear. For people who don't know, I've had a record number of jobs this year, and all of them I was either forced to leave and paid off to shut up, or I was tricked and fired, or. Um, I was tricked again. It turns out I was selling porn when I didn't know I was selling porn or, uh, oh, wow. it, yeah, it just goes on and on. Uh, oh, oh, you're hired. Oh, um, I don't have a license. So that's okay. Then, uh, oh wait, you don't have a license. We can't give you a job. I just told you I don't have a license. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a rough year. So do <laughs> not be man. surprised if I find some world conspiracy and, uh, I go to tell people and I get a bullet in the head and then Jacob's left all alone.
0: Yeah, I know. And, and I and don't have know, to know go what to through
1: do. through all... to save me.
0: Damn you Rupert Murdoch. Yes, I will get Rip Hunter and we will time travel. I, you think they're going to you think oh uh, if um, with this Blue Booster Gold and Blue Beetle movie would they try to introduce Rip Hunter somehow? Uh, I know they're introducing him in Legends of Tomorrow.
1: Well, here's the problem. Um, for me this thing this is very confusing that there's a TV DC world and a movie DC world. Why are they not together? Why is the Flash from the TV show not popping up in the Justice League movie? Why not just use the same one you know? I, it bugs me greatly because then you're going to confuse people. It's like, wait, well, this guy's a Flash, but I thought the other guy was a Flash. Like, I, What's going on?
0: So they like, don't want to really coincide with them. And then, you know, just like with Gotham, they don't want to have that tie in with their movie. Plus, I think it's I think it's trying to bridge the whole 52 multiverse.
1: Aspect. Yeah, there could be alternate universes. There could be two different flashes. Aha! Um, uh-huh. I wish I could stop saying um. Seriously, I should punch myself in the dick every
0: time um, I um, say um. Or we'll just turn it into a song.
1: What? What?
0: I said we'll just make music from it when you say um.
1: The Booster Gold and Blue Beetle actually seems like it would be something more for a TV show. Their adventures are kind of. TV oriented. They're not big names. I can't imagine a lot of people going to the theater to see Blue and Gold. But I think Deadpool right. is a test to see if people will go um, to a movie starring a character that doesn't have a long history, that will uh, start out as a cult uh, following and then blew up into the mainstream. It could happen with the Blue and Gold. Oh, yeah, no. And even
0: uh, Deep Pity himself, I mean, was mentioned in the Entertainment Weekly uh, special on Deadpool. Hey, you know, this cosplayer who goes around making videos. Uh, you know, dressed mostly dressed as Deadpool, pulling Deadpool shenanigans, and really just bringing, you know, knowledge about the character to, you know, audiences around Comic-Con, to, like, kids, to, you know, teens who haven't heard of him. And by now, I mean, there's almost pretty much there's there's only so – I think pretty much almost everyone else has figured out who Deadpool is and what kind of person Deadpool is. Right. And know, uh, that's really bringing it to light. So, you know, thank you, D-Pity. Anyway. Um,
1: what else but as far
0: it- as it goes for yeah. Mr. Golden – Blue Beetle. I think they're more kind of like a superhero version of Odd Couple. Maybe that's what they're going to try and go with.
1: Yeah. That, that That'd be like funny. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Also, entertainment news. Director of Gambit, he quit.
1: I know. What is up with this movie? I mean, for a while they were talking about Channing Tatum was going to quit. And now Rupert Hyatt's quit. Or is it Hyatt or Wyatt? Rupert Wyatt? It doesn't matter. It uh, doesn't matter. Bu- 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 doesn't matter. Super nerds, lose your shit over this poem where I can't remember the name. I'm completely fine with that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with this movie, if it's going to collapse, because it was supposed to start, isn't it supposed to start, like, three weeks from now?
0: I'm not sure if it was going to start off this year, no. No, No, I I think they're going to wait, I think
1: it's supposed to be next year, after X-Men Apocalypse. No, I'm almost guaranteeing you that it's supposed to start filming now, and be released next fall, for, uh, um, fall break.
0: Right, yeah. Okay, I will say this about Fox, I know, so far, what they've done with X-Men, they've done, like, that's... Basically, the best they've done was X-Men. They did a great job with that. They brought in so many different characters. Although, First Class and X-Men Origins Wolverine, those are the only ones that were bad.
2: What? Everything after that. First Class is awesome. No, not First Class.
0: No, no, no. I mean, of, uh, no, fuck. First Class was great. It made it great again. Um,
1: what was that? The Last Stand. That yeah. piece of shit. That one pissed me off the most. I actually like Last like, anyway. Stand. It's a lot of chaos, and uh, they wasted Angel, but I actually enjoy uh, the third one. I know, it annoyed me. I'm
0: sorry. When they got a new director like Brett Radner, Brett Radner, I it was kinda of, it seemed like it was kinda of rushed. He didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. I mean he's I like it. I like his other films. I just don't like that. To be I'm fair, sorry.
1: he took over the same way that the next director for Gambit's gonna have to take over immediately. He's gonna have very few weeks of prep time and have to rush it. Usually these kind of movies you have to have like six months of prep and it's just not gonna happen. I feel the Gambit movie is gonna get delayed or shelved indefinitely.
0: Hopefully it doesn't. That would suck so much. I'd love to see what they'll do with Gambit. Yeah. Also.
1: It's all based on a pay or play deal. If they've already paid Channing Tatum, I'm almost guaranteeing that they'll go ahead with the movie no matter what.
0: I think, you know what? A lot of people were bummed about I mean, I was bummed about it too because I love the character so much. was, you know, Professor X's death. But he, of course, comes back after the end credits by inserting his mind into another body.
1: Which, which looks worked out. exactly the same.
0: <laughs> uh, who knows? I mean, they, they, they have an advanced they have access to advanced technology. They probably made himself look uh, like himself again.
1: That, or he just Plus, admitted that, uh, like he can make you think he looks like him. Like he just puts that image in your head that he is Professor X. That too. That is a good theory, theory as well. But now they're combining the worlds. The worlds are collapsing in on each other. Uh, the yeah. first class world and the Last Stand world were different, and I guess they're kind of melding together now with this next movie.
0: No, uh, yeah, first class and the previous trilogy. I thought First Class was a whole new take, changing the continuity and all that. I mean, you're not just having you know, Magneto, even like with something as simple as Magneto's accent. It was a weak German accent instead of you know, an English accent, like it was with Ian McKellen. But then Days of Future's Past, that storyline was something to bring in to fix the continuity,
2: okay. which it did.
0: Everything reset. I mean, Bryan Singer, and plus, it's a great story to watch. I mean, I kind of wish there was like a little thing, a little moment. Between Storm and you know Wolverine, where they kiss because you know in the future they're love they fall in love with each other, they're married. No, huh. but of course that's you know in that I is actually, a
1: deleted. I actually stuff. had Days of Future Past the book sitting around here. I gotta hurry up and read it, do. But I, I've never actually read it. Um, I kind of came into X Men uh, about thirty issues after that, right before the Mutant Massacre, so I totally missed Days of Future Past, and for some reason I never went back.
0: Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. There was actually also a the animated series even did a special on that. And everything was fixed, everything was re- reversed. You know, Wolverine and Storm are together again, still. They're in love. Everything was fixed. Plus, Apocalypse, I think, is going to be the last of this trilogy. I mean, said, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence me, is going to be the last one.
1: Yeah, they're going to start spinning off in different directions. But you also just told me that they finally released new pictures of Apocalypse and yeah. it looks closer to the original design. It does. It, just, it. It looks more organic and less mechanical. Well, you can't do it exactly like the comic book because there's no way to emote. You have, uh, what's his name? Isaacs. Uh, not Jason Isaacs. Um, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is doing him and he's a good actor. The only reason a good he actor is. would take this role is because he can emote. You know, you want to see him exactly. act. If you want someone who looks exactly like Apocalypse, then they just should do it CGI completely.
0: I know. That's that is that's stupid. I mean, we don't want to... Come on. I want to see more makeup and more practical effects put into use. Plus... A lot of people made fun of it because, you know, it, it looked like Ivan Ooze because of the purple lighting. Like, what the hell? It's purple lighting. Big deal. Cylock could be unleashing her powers on someone. Right. And, come on, Storm looks purple. Everybody else looked purple. <laughs> Where was the complaint there? I, I love what they did with Storm. They brought in the 80s version because it takes place in the 80s. She has her mohawk and all that. Oh, my God. I'm excited. Yeah, oh, and the, also uh... it showed new uh... – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. Oh, it's
1: fine. Go
0: ahead. Also, it showed some new photos of, like, Scott and Gene – Sophie Turner plays Jean from Game of Thrones. She plays Sansa. Uh-huh. And also it shows a Cyclops Jean and Nightcrawler all suited up in front of green screen. Oh my god. They like I said, it looks pretty spot on. It looks awesome. All
1: right, so I think but, um, is that the end of our news or we're running out of time?
0: Uh I think that's it. Oh yeah, as far as gaming news goes, I want to say this. Uh, next month's beta of uh, Star Wars Battlefront comes out. I think it's either I think it's going to be free. Oh, good. Just like it did with Call of Duty.
1: All
0: right, that's cool. Um, I know, I'm so excited.
1: What are the uh, big titles coming out this fall?
0: Uh, for video games okay. or movies?
1: Uh, video games. I got the movie stuff down.
0: Oh, I know. Call of Duty, uh, Black Ops 3, that's supposed to be coming down. I don't really care for that. I'm done with it. Yeah, I mean, I played the beta for it. I mean, it's, uh, it's really not as. It's really not, you know, that much of an improvement from Black Ops 2. Right. I mean, they all seem the same to me. Hey, I actually played it, so you know, I actually can't give my opinion on it. <laughs> and also, um, let's see, we also have uh, Battlefront that's coming out in November. Um there might be something coming out in December, but I'm not sure because I'm too focused on the Star Wars movie. <laughs>
1: Which, oh god, I'm just eagerly awaiting. I, I started to uh I started to get all grumpy and be like, Yeah, I'm sick of Star Wars, I don't wanna see any more and then slowly I've been turning back. You know, I just yeah. uh, I wanna see something that's close to the original trilogy. Not like the garbage trilogy, and uh, I'm really excited about the uh, spinoffs too. I just hope they don't go overboard with the spinoffs and just force them out because they have a schedule they gotta meet. And make sure the movie's ready, then release it. Don't force it out there if it's not ready,
0: exactly. Oh, excuse me. Plus, I mean, as far as it goes, that's I mean, funny,
1: we both burped at the same time. I burped <laughs> <laughs> literally, yeah. just as you so said, excuse I me, say- I was like, mm-hmm. you
0: know what, you know what, honestly, got JJ Abrams to do this movie. Was when Kathleen Kennedy asked him who is Luke Skywalker. And, I mean, we want to find out who Luke Skywalker is now, yeah. especially after such a long time. People to get back into the you know Star Wars franchise. Uh, just as long as as long as nobody from the prequels is there. I mean, if Jar is going to be there, please kill him. <laughs> I mean, but knowing JJ Abrams, knowing JJ Abrams, I'm sure he won't be there. No, I'm sure. But if like not, you see, some not, the,
1: they'll just have a cameo and he'd be like, "I'm really oh." And he dies, like, yay! <laughs> Jar Jar's yeah. in retirement, the gun-gun retirement home, and he's
2: just like, I'm so sorry for everything. Take him off uh,
0: my support.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, also, uh, I, there
0: was a behind-the-scenes kind of uh, little video, and it showed Simon Pegg talking about it, and he's dressed up as like one of the monsters in there, in the animatronic suit, and it showed like a little bit of what Leia looks like. So I'm, like I said, I'm still pumped for this.
1: All right, so we are out of time for the news. Let's go on to our last cartoon we're going to discuss, Futurama. And here we go. All right. Okay, I don't know what that was. When I put in Futurama, theme song, here we go, we're a weird, <laughs> twisted version of it. Screw it. Mm. You know what it sounds like. It's, it's insanely yeah. catchy. It's so, almost as catchy as The Simpsons. Can I ask you this? Um, do you prefer... Which, which cartoon do you prefer? Futurama or Simpsons? Uh,
0: I do tend to get a kick out of uh, Futurama a little bit more. Mainly because of The Professor, Zoidberg, and of course Bender. God,
1: they do I, have some interesting characters. Yeah, I love Futurama. I think it's because I'm a huge sci-fi guy. And the, the crazy idea... That they, that they present of what the future could be is just, it just captures my imagination. This is a show that I never get sick of.
0: Oh, yeah, no, you go ahead. It captures your imagination.
1: Yeah, it's uh, one of those shows that any crazy idea was feasible. I mean, the stuff uh, with The Simpsons, it had to be somehow grounded in reality. It could be completely absurd and, and, and farcical, but it had to be in reality. Uh, Futurama. I mean, it's just the simple idea that people are kept alive for centuries with their heads in a fishbowl, and that way you can have cameos, <laughs> oh, yeah. you can have all these cameos, I remember when Leonard Nimoy popped up, and you're just like, okay, well, basically oh, any oh, character oh, that we oh. know now has a way of surviving. Nixon, Richard Nixon. I am not a crook. <laughs> and he comes back as a giant, and he gets, any he b-
0: pertains the body of a giant murderous war war robot. Yeah,
1: it's, <laughs> it's uh, uh, the alien creatures going to different planets. Anything could happen. And for me, except for the movies, um, I think this is superior to Simpson. I don't know why I have a huge problem with. I think there's three movies, and uh, Mike, it's, what's that?
0: I think Bender's Big Score was one of them.
1: The, uh, the movies, I think it's because stories were not long enough for a whole movie. They were just stretching them out. So you felt like it was just filler and padding just to get to the end of the 90 minutes. And uh, <laughs> I kind of like the single episodes uh, instead of the long theme stuff. But I mean, if they were to go for movies, I, I wouldn't bitch and moan. But of course, the movies were successful enough to bring the series back. And it just got canceled again.
0: But unfortunately, uh, I know, yeah, it did, it, it it did come back. It did have a few more new seasons, but then it got canceled. Uh, as far as it goes, it's not, it wasn't as huge of a phenomenon as, of course, Simpsons. That's why, I mean, if you were to make a movie of it, especially distributed in theaters, probably not a lot of people would see it. Oh, no, probably, I, I would not.
1: say it would probably be uh, straight to video. But, you know, video is starting to die, too. Everybody wants video on demand and streaming, so DVDs themselves um, aren't being bought. They're not being put in stores, and so therefore franchise is continuing uh, is a struggle if you try to take it uh, straight to video.
0: Okay, I will say this about like duty and online streaming. The quality to me is not as good as Blu-ray
1: at no, all. No, no, unless you I, pay I, through the nose like on Vudu for the digital version.
0: I don't like digital versions at all. No, I'd rather have a copy of it in my home, on my shelf. I prefer that. I do not like uh, HD movies. Plus, I don't have enough data. sometimes i would not have enough data on my laptop i wouldn't be able to have all these movies it's ridiculous and i don't like streaming because i want i need to have internet connection i don't want internet connection i just want to watch my freaking movie uh the cast
1: (laughs) the cast on futurama is just top notch i mean i love the simpsons cast but it just like the show itself being a cult following almost all the actors involved in futurama are just like Great character actors or skit actors. You got Phil Lamar from Mad TV. Also David Herman from Mad TV. Billy West, of course, is from The Simpsons. Not The Simpsons. I'm an idiot. and And Stimpy. Katie Segal, of course, we all know from Married with Children. And she is uh, just absolutely amazing um, in a a voice capacity. I didn't even know that it was something she could do. Uh, John DiMaggio, I think, is probably the biggest hero of the whole show. Billy West plays Fry, who is the best character. And Professor Farnsworth, but uh, John um, John DiMaggio plays Bender, and I think he is probably the most popular character.
0: He is—he yeah, definitely is, and he's also like the most top-notch voice actor. I remember John DiMaggio mainly from—I uh, think uh, Final Fantasy X—he played the character Waka.
1: This is the first time I ever saw John DiMaggio. Is he had a short-lived TV show on MTV called Red Johnny and the Round Guy? I think that was the name of it. Um, basically, him and this other guy were just doing skits for like no money, like a thousand dollars a sketch. And uh, they had one called Campus Cops, where it's supposed to be just like, you know, cops, but there's nothing to do. They're, they're literally uh, desperate to arrest somebody, and they bust somebody for taking too many ketchup packets from, like, the commissary hall. It was a really funny show. And then all of a sudden he – but he disappeared after that. No one knew what the hell happened to him. And all of a sudden he came out of nowhere doing all his voice work.
0: Yeah, voice work is definitely a lot more – so much fun to do. I mean, especially when you can really put so much into a performance you know, depending on what emotion you're displaying, you really bring that character to life. And John DiMaggio does that for me. Uh, he did so, that for me when he put, yeah. especially with Waka in Final Fantasy X.
1: Um,
0: and now, of course, Bender.
1: There, <laughs> of course, there's Maurice Lamarche who does uh, Kiff, and he's uh, known for doing lots of like stuff for Warner Brothers. I know him from uh, uh, Pinky the Brain and Lauren Tom, who's Amy. Uh, Transmigna Hill mm. from The Simpsons. She also does Mom, who's one great villain. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, Billy West has a new podcast I have been listening to his podcast and uh, Dana Gould's podcast Dana Gould by the way was the uh, head writer during some of the greatest years of Simpsons he's quite possibly the best comedian that nobody's ever heard of he is a comedian's comedian and his show as well as Billy West are taking podcasts in a whole new direction and I I, I, I kind of listen to my uh, competition who am I kidding they're not my competition they're way out of my league um, but I yeah, oh, I, we're way out of there <laughs> You're way out there, so, as Manchester Steel would would say, is nobody compares to me. I'm amazing. Uh, the Billy West show is fun because he will do like discussions like we do, and then he'll go into yeah. sketches. I would say his sketches aren't as strong as Dana Gould's, but he does more of them. Dana Gould podcast hour is uh, absolutely fascinating. They discuss stuff that nobody else is discussing. He has great guests on, and he also intermix it with uh, little skits. And both you should check out.
0: Right. I uh, definitely will have to. I know, I think you mentioned it to me. I still haven't had the chance to listen to it.
1: Uh, can you do a Zoe Burke? You can pretty much do any voice. Do you have like a, a photographic memory or pornographic memory?
0: <laughs> a pornographic memory? <laughs> actually, I have the Well, one I can remember movie. some scenes, but <laughs> oh, actually, I'm, I'm like kidding. I remember a lot of fucking scenes. Are you? Okay, I'm going to. Okay, baseball and cold showers. All right. <sighs> Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> Are you able to do a Zoe Burke?
0: Hold on, I'm trying, okay, I'm trying to think of a funny line from Joy Boy. I
1: feel like you have to stuff things into your upper Now, lower. open your mouth and say, uh okay. It's okay, we don't, <laughs> I don't mean to put you on this, but I was just curious.
0: like, all right, okay, this patient is lost. Oh, but doctor, I'm not dead. Excuse me, but I believe I'm the doctor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I try my best. I but- know, uh, that was actually pretty uh- good. Can I push you, and can you do a bender? Are you, a- can you do one of those?
0: Oh, no, I can't do Bender at uh, all. okay I a mean,
1: really deep I yeah, is... have... You
0: have to go to a special place. I... No, that's horrible. I'm not even going to continue that. Yeah, I don't could. want that anyone to, to kill to... me. for. <laughs>
1: for...
0: <laughs> Sorry, right. I'll have to practice on it. Um, can I... do uh, Kiefer Sutherland. What? I can try and do uh, Kiefer Sutherland as a big boss from Metal Gear Solid. No, it's fine.
1: <clears> okay, go ahead, go
0: ahead. Okay. That's fine. I prefer a little alone time now and then, but you're going to have to slur it a little bit. Like I've been drinking too much Jose Cuervo you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's hilarious because the first time I met you you looked just like Donald Sutherland did in uh, Animal House I was just like you had that beard you had the curly hair and you kind of had that like relaxed, like hey man how's it going I actually thought you were a huge stoner when I first met you and I was, I was oh, so wrong
0: no, no. <laughs> no, no, no I mean I, I kind of used to be but I mean but yeah <laughs> nothing not that there's anything wrong with it league is a great league legalize it
1: uh my favorite episode of futurama is the one where bender joins beck's band and you know he has that ripped up chest and he goes around like playing music that way that is my favorite um i also enjoy the saddest one is about fry's um pet dog and uh you know oh. he loved him so much and then it's he fast to the future and he's gone it's just the sadness of the fact that his dog waited every single day, you know, because he got frozen and sent to the future, so his dog didn't understand what happens. He waited for him every single day until he died, and I, I really cried at that episode. I think there's more heart in Futurama than Simpsons.
0: Oh, that's, oh no! I remember uh, the one about his lucky four-leaf clover. He thought his brother was the one that went to Mars, but it was actually his uh, nephew.
1: Oh, that's and right, you know that, that's his, a good one too. Other,
0: yeah, his brother did everything all in the name of Fry.
1: Yeah, that was really good. There's so many great episodes. The, the Christmas one where Santa's a complete and absolute lunatic is great.
0: <laughs> John could have You ever take over Christmas again and I'll kill you. <laughs> uh,
1: Nibbler is uh, a cult favorite. I, he, I enjoy him to no end because he can just basically eat everything. Didn't he poop? It wasn't his poop like the power source for the ship?
0: It was Black Matter, yeah. <laughs> oh, the game. Like, I have to say black. this.
1: The game for, I think I played on the PS2, is insanely hard. It looks great, but it's crazy difficult. Or that, or I have no patience to actually figure out how to play the games properly.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably not.
1: All right, everybody, I think we have hit the end of our episode. Anything else you want to say?
0: Uh, I, hope, I really hope they do something with Futurama soon, bring back another season. I would definitely be down to watch it. I have to say, uh, my favorite episode... I think it was one with the what-if machine where what-if Bender was a human. <laughs> I thought that was the most hysterical. Like, he goes out, he's smoking, he's drinking, he's partying, and then he becomes just the giant, big, obese blob, <laughs> and then he dies.
1: I have not seen this episode. I have to see this.
0: <laughs> I think it's in season three. I would recommend it. It's hilarious.
1: All right, everybody, All right. this is Michael signing off. Be excellent to each other.
0: Yes, everybody, have a good night. Namaste, and good luck.
1: you still there still listening the podcast is over go home hey jacob y'all ready for this hey guys we're gonna oh i was born ready we're gonna goof around a little bit play a sketch for you bring bring bring
0: bring. hello this welcome to the bullseye how may i direct your call
1: hey uh what's your name
0: hello my name is michael how about how's yours
1: (laughs) Michael? Oh, man. All right. Hey, there's, uh, you're at the fitting room, right?
0: No, I'm actually at guest service, guest actually, services. but how, how can right. I help
1: you? Dang, man. Okay, so there's, like, uh, something I need you to do for me. Uh, can I ask you a favor?
0: Go right ahead, sir. Okay, is this returning, uh, is, this a, is this registering a complaint or a return? Was your product effective?
1: Uh, no, it's not really about a product or, uh, I don't really have a complaint, man. It's, uh, there's like, uh, uh, how do I ask? Uh, there's like this chick over at the fitting room, and, uh, uh, what's her name? I think she's at the fitting room. She's a, uh, are you a relative? Uh, no. Are you a relative? Of uh, well, I'm relatively interested in her. She's got, like, uh, long brown hair with, like, little red stripes in it. I love that. And, uh, you know, she's got, she got a figure you can kind of, you know, murder somebody over. <laughs>
0: My gosh, sure, that sounds quite barbaric and vicious. But I can't actually release that kind of information if you're not a family member or a re- or any kind of relative. I cannot disclose that. I'm terribly sorry, oh, all sir.
1: Right, man, I get it. I get it. It's crazy. Um, so hold on. Uh, can you uh, I I am I a little nervous about this. I'm it like a real ladies' man, but man, she's like a goddess. And uh, does she have a boyfriend? Do you know if she has a boyfriend?
0: I absolutely do not. In fact, I can't. I. I can honestly say I do not like her at all.
2: Oh, why, man? I can man? tell you that much.
0: Well, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, here, you might want to sit down and have some coffee. We're oh. going to a long discussion. All
1: now. right. Uh, oh. Let me just say I this. Can. Does Does she, she dig dudes? I just don't know. I oh. could not
0: care that. Do you oh.
1: know if she likes burritos? Because I like burritos a lot.
0: I don't think, so. I think she's more, I think she's, I think she might be vegan.
1: Oh, okay. cause I got a huge beef burrito I want to give her.
0: Sir, I don't want to touch your beef burrito, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> it's not for you. Well, wait, are you hot? Uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you wearing?
0: I am a male, sir.
1: Oh, you know what, hey, there's days, there's days where I'm just like, uh, I like a little man-ass, there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean I'm gay, it just means I'm curious, and I'm also curious about, hey,
0: it just shows you're comfortable with your sexuality. I, I That's am. Fine.
1: I am. It all depends on how much I drink and if uh, it's been a while since I've had a lady. And um, frankly, i got to ask this. Can you ask her out for me?
0: You, you... Absolutely not. I detest that woman. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm a real good guy,
1: man. I'm real cool. You know, I'm safe. Nope, I, would... I... I rarely ever help people bury drifters out in the desert. It's just occasional. You know, I need some money. Someone needs a body buried. I take care of it. Other than that, I'm safe. I'm like a big puppy dog with a huge penis. Murderous (laughs) sensation,
0: I believe. What? Oh, my gosh. A a, a huge murderous sensation, I believe. My gosh, you dig people? You bury people in the desert?
1: Did I say that out loud? Shit, I gotta stop doing that. All right, man, um... So, if you can't ask her out, uh, what are you doing tonight?
0: Please hold for one moment, sir.
1: All right, thanks, man.
0: Okay, get, I'm going to get a hold of 911. Oh, my gosh, this person is terrifying.
1: I think we have a murderer on our hands. <laughs> Hello, sir, are you, there? are you still there? What, man? Oh, where am I? Oh, God, I who is this? Hold. Did you call me? Um, no, sir,
0: I believe you called us. Oh. The whole
1: why, did I fall again? oh man all i remember was i was gonna call this chick at the store and i was gonna tell her how great iraq was and that i was free tonight and if she'd go out with me oh what store was that oh i gotta go man i don't know where what's i am her? and i'm covered in blood again what's going on oh sorry dude i gotta go
0: well actually here actually here uh it is on 7775 Main Street, and that associate you described is, a, is actually working, It starts working about 10 minutes. She'll be here all night closing.
1: Okay, that address, man, on my phone, it says that's where the police station is. Is that where I'm going? That sounds weird. I don't, what? Oh, no,
0: no, no. It just hasn't been updated yet. Oh, no, all right, that, man.
1: Yeah. I'll just get in my, you know, my souped-up Ford Festiva and uh, head over there now. I got to get there real quick because, God, I'm horny, and I got to just show it to somebody. And uh, I'm going to go right into this place. Uh, I Look at the address right here, and I'm just going to go in. I'm just going to, like, just show them everything and show them my power. I don't think anybody will have a problem yeah. with that. Do you think that's – Yes, that's power to you. Okay, cool, yeah Yes,
0: if you wear nothing, they prefer that you wear nothing. You just go out there. Go ahead and do that.
1: Do you think I should All wear a right. blindfold? Make it more mysterious?
0: How would it be more mysterious? Like, to you or to... I like being surprised
1: walk? by where I found naked, man.
0: Right, yes. But if you wore a blindfold, how would you be able to see where you're going?
1: Uh, you know what? I got psychic powers, man. And uh, I can see things in other places that you can't see. Does that make sense, man?
0: Yes, it does make sense. Okay, did you get the address down? You got yeah, it down? I gotta go
1: now, man. I don't. I gotta find. that ah, fuck it. I don't need shoes. I don't need pants. I don't even need a wallet. I'm just gonna walk in with my Johnson in hand and say, "Hi, I'm here to apply for a job." That's what I'm doing, right? I'm applying. Do
0: bring a your job. wallet. It's very necessary that you do. Do uh, you go ahead and do that? I'll all
1: get, right, you man. Do that
0: address.
1: You're a cool guy. I, I like you. You're one of I- the you know you're a real dude, a bro, and you you'll 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 be there behind any guy for any assistance that he needs and um I hope you're behind me later,
0: yes, I do hope so, too, sir, or at least someone will be behind you get in bar you get what I'm saying anyway uh-huh. yes, I understand yes yeah. right. have all right
1: will that be also yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on right now, man. <laughs> All right, okay, I gotta go. all right. Seriously, the house is on fire. I don't even know how it happened, but the house is on fire. I gotta go.
0: Click, click. Oh, good. I don't need no water. <gasps> oh, my God. I never want to hear from that again. Oh, geez. Oh, Jesus, save me right now.
1: All right, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>